Hi there, or welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I'm Benjamin Light. And this is Marco Sparks. And we're here today to talk about S5 E15 Fresh Meat. Yes. We're cruising right into the back half of Season 5 here at PLL. This is a great episode. I really enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, we have quite a bit to talk about in this episode. This is one of those three-hour episodes. Yeah, hopefully not, because it's already <laughs> after midnight. Um, this episode is written by Oliver Goldstick and Mike Goldsmith, two of our regular favorite PLL writers, directed by Zetna Fuentes, who's done Who, some other episodes. Yeah, yeah. This is the, not the start of, but continuing in their aggressive storytelling this season. Uh, so, I, you know, I didn't, well, I'll say, I didn't check, but I really do wonder the person who edited this episode, is it the same person as always, or is it a different person? Because I don't know if you picked up on this, but to me, the editing felt a lot tighter in this episode. Um, I haven't checked. I would assume that they probably have a few editors. I kind of wonder if, if it was a, a different person, or if they just said, hey, like, let's kind of crank it up a little. Because, you know, we're used to, like, the, the Chad Lowe style, where we're just, like, left with somebody's face for, like, five seconds going out of the scene. Mm-hmm. But this episode didn't really have that. It like it it really cuts quickly at the end of scenes, which I found interesting. But also, I think a lot of the the storytelling though in this episode didn't lend itself to that. You know, no. But there are some scenes that we'll get to where you would normally just hold on this person's face for a long time, but instead it's like they have like this one quick expression and then just cut. Mm-hmm. You know, like before you can really process it. Oh, the expressions on people's faces in this episode. Like, if you were to watch about the sound off, it's it's zany comedy. Arya, oh, Lucy Hale's great in this. Well, uh, she's she's not the only one. Like this, yeah. This is the episode where my notes probably contain the most terrible references to like <laughs> old sitcoms. But uh, so I believe this is about two weeks after the previous episode, and it starts presumably on a Friday. We start off in the chester county women's correctional facility where we see a, a pair of man's feet and boots walking down the hallway we pan up to see it's officer toby officer toby cavanaugh kind of got like a little canted dutch angle there as he's walking in like from below to make him look all tough mm-hmm. uh we can see trailing behind him there is like a blonde being led in by a, another guard and he but walks he, but he looks uncomfortable because he's surrounded by all this caged heat yeah he walks right up to like the lady at the window here and he's like morning and she just lo- looks up, like like annoyed, you know, as he's mm-hmm. holding up this envelope. And he's like, I was told, and the guard's just like, where are you from? And Toby's like, Rosewood PD, Lieutenant Tanner. And she's like, yeah, I know her. And she just takes the envelope, opens it, she like pulls out the jacket. And she looks up at Toby, kind of annoyed, like, you know, you waiting for something? We're done. You fucking rookie. <laughs> and Toby's just like, uh, thank you. Uh... And so she just like rolls her eyes at him as he walks off. I uh, I really want Toby's story to be that of John C. Riley and Magnolia. <laughs> I'm not a good cop. I've so, lost yeah, my gun today. Toby walks on down the hallway where sitting at the end of a bench, mass under her long blonde hair is Allison De Laurentiis. She looking feral. She lifts her head up like Clint Eastwood's man of no name would in the good bad the Exactly. Toby. That's a total Clint Eastwood look. Like, if she had, like, a little cigarillo in her mouth, that would be even better. And she's like, they the need thing to is, Tuco, yeah. <laughs> they need to see me. They're not taking my calls. They can't keep ignoring me. And Toby, like, looks around, like, make sure that no one is listening. And he's just like, you know, ask Allison why they moved her here. 
And she says, you know, I don't have to explain that to you. You've been in these places. Everything but a bell goes off when they smell fresh meat. Which, can we just say, Allison in a do-rag? Oh, yeah. And that needs to happen. She looks weird. Like, she's just spent 12 years in a gulag. I mean, like, Toby looks at her arms and there's, like, bruises all over her. Well, that reminds me. We should talk about something at the end of the episode and relevant to this conversation. Fantastic. I'll just make a quick note. Continue. Yeah, so Allison then says, like, tell Spencer to cut this embargo crap before it's too late. And Toby, like, eye roll. And it's rare that Toby gets to do an eye roll. (laughs) I never get to eye roll. They're Um, always doing it to me. (laughs) Allison's like, have you forgot what it feels like to be in a cage for something you didn't do? Do you remember how that felt? And Toby's like, yes, I do. I also remember whose words put me in that cage. Do you? Well, he's just like, "Eh, details. Yeah, Allison's not going to be one up, though. And she's just like, maybe you'll finally get it when your girlfriend and her friends are chained to this bench, too. Because they will be. They're next. Unless A kills them first. Well, and Toby's like, he's trying to look tough and unconcerned, but clearly he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I like Trapped in a Cage, Ellie. She's fun. Yeah, she is. She's awesome. Um, She just needs to stab somebody now. And, and she, she I may needs never to be want to like, the thing is, Toby... I don't think you'll ever be worth more than $3,000. <laughs> Bam. Um, yeah, I mean, they keep talking about the off-mentioned, like, uh, big-time jump, you know, possibly mm. jumping over college, like One Tree Hill. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, that, that, We'll talk about that at the end. But I was just going to say, like, what if it's more like I, Marlene King, watched the end of Seinfeld when they're all in prison, and she was just like, <laughs> yes, that's my show. Uh, so after the credits. Well, one, one quick thing about, like, when, when Allie's, like, unless they kill them first, and then it's just, like, cut. Like they're like very quick cuts where I feel like in in the past the show would have like held on her face for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, then credits. Yeah, so we got the Rosewood High uh, daytime. It's the courtyard, uh, which seems odd to be back at school because this season has been so like not about their school life anymore. But yeah, it's like oh hey school. Remember that they're high school students. Yeah, do you anyone forget that they're seniors? Because that's what this is all about this season, or especially this episode. But Officer Toby's conferring with the PLLs there. Um, Cause, because, you know, you can just show up at school and you're a cop. Well, Toby is well on his way into following the footsteps of his stepsister's previous lover, Officer Garrett Reynolds. Because, also, of course, a cop would be chilling there talking to four high school girls. I don't know if we mentioned this last episode. His badge, like, he's now Rosewood Police. He's not Harrisburg County Police anymore. Right, right. Because that was just for the, the police academy, yeah. I guess. Um, but Hannah's just like, this is unbelievable. Allie's in the penalty box and she's still playing offense. And Toby says, maybe this is just her being iced out, getting desperate. Because, you know, like a good Rosewood PD cop, Toby comes to the high school to discuss his job with teenage girls and get their input. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, but if you actually think there's somebody on the outside helping her. And Hannah's like, yeah, totally. I mean, there was a fireworks display. And he's like, maybe she planned that before she got arrested. And Spencer's like, no way. Someone is helping her. And Arya's like, what do you mean someone? I saw Allison and Holbrook under the mistletoe, and he had his tongue down her throat. It's him. <laughs> and Hannah, I like that they, they remember this detail, that Hannah has, like, a, a decent opinion of Holbrook. Because Hannah is like, you don't know that for sure. Didn't Tanner say he was assigned to a case in Pittsburgh? Uh, can we just briefly talk about how good Hannah Marin looks in that ponytail? She looks like she's about to go on vacation. Like, she looks like... like- 1980s kurt russell about to go on vacation well there's something like super casual about the ponytail but yeah. like that in the makeup like her she her game is on point in this episode well i, I feel like I, I made this note later on in my episode with some stuff that hannah does in the friday portion but 
she to me looks like she's about to go star in like the awesome most awesomest remake of ferris bueller you know <laughs> sure which i'm pitching right now ashley benson as as a 2015 ferris bueller which she, she would be the ferris bueller character yes charlie sheen would play himself would uh toby play cameron whoa ferris bueller you're my hero uh I'm so trying to remember like <laughs> dialogue from that movie yeah for toby boys so uh anyway yeah toby says that uh, holbrook's he's off it uh he had to take it personally and take care of his sick dad and only just like sniffs at this yeah. uh, but it seems like hannah like wants to believe it because she was friends with holbrook and now she's like that's convenient and Hannah says, can you see if Holbrook's visiting Allie in prison? And Spencer's like, uh, no, guys, he can't. Why should he be the one who's thrown headfirst into the lion's den? She only wants Toby carrying out her side missions. Well, she, Toby's like, Spencer, you're stepping on my dick in front of your friends. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other liars are just like, geez, weak, Spence. Uh, and then Toby's radio goes off, you know, all the units 1019. He's just like, I have to go. And Spencer frowns, the bell rings. You can tell Spencer doesn't like the idea that Toby can just, like, get called away by a dispatcher in the middle of their argument. Right. It's not cool. I felt like he was just like, thank God. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be here for the rest of this conversation. Um, So, yeah, real quick, going back to fashion update. Spencer is wearing basically, like, a a doily doily? as a shirt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I like that we both had that note. Uh, Emily is wearing a t-shirt that says, I was up to 5 a.m., Emily's doing a lot of like I don't know if these are necessarily tank tops or she just tucked the sleeves in to make them look like tank tops. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of that going on. Hannah's like got like a wife beater that's like almost transparent over a black bra, but then she's just got like this weird floral print like blouse on over it that she just like tied around her waist. Like it's such a weird casual look, but it works. Yeah, everyone should look at her and just want to be her friend mm-hmm. based on this outfit alone. Um but yeah, like some of these. I don't even know what to say about Arya. There's a yeah. big camera icon on the middle well, of her black sweater. Yeah, it's like a little like. But yeah, someone had said something about. I guess in the next episode, Emily is wearing like an old shirt of pages. I feel like this shirt is an old shirt of pages. <laughs> I always go overboard, and then I was up to five a.m. Arya is dressed like the miniature, glamorous, hip version of Wednesday Adams meets Taylor Swift. Um, and also, her skirt appears to be some sort of like crush velvet red and black cheetah print you know as you so, do so eight colors so very Ari. but i feel like mm-hmm. this shirt that she's wearing is a, a much better representation of something vaguely pseudo social media like instagram maybe yeah that's like a so, tasteway shirt yeah maybe more so than her infamous twitter bird halloween costume <laughs> which i don't know maybe ari would wear that to school on a halloween thing because anyways the liars walk by well they're, they're walking to class i think there's a really interesting blocking uh just subtly showing that like Hannah's kind of like taking the lead right now. They're all following her. Uh, when they stop to talk, everyone's like crowding around her. You know, like what? she's she she's has... not she's not reaching out to take it, but it's just kind of coming to her. You know, well, she's in charge Hannah, now. Clearly, if you couldn't tell from her fashion alone, she has no more fucks to give. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Emily's just like Spencer. None of us want to put Toby in danger. Maybe this weekend we come up with a plan. And Hannah's like, I'm not even here this weekend. Fuck Toby. <laughs> um so they asked where she's gonna be and cool as eyes she's like college visit ballard and emily's like ballard i thought it was like skidmore and spencer's like how many schools did you get into Arya? <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> it's funny enough to see Spencer annoyed by this, because uh, you know she wants to vomit inside. But Arya's face is just exquisite. Like, this is a great storyline for Arya, this whole, like, college thing. Because it's just endless reaction shots. Endless opportunities for Arya to just be like, eh, college. Well, and for other actors, this would have to be something that you'd have to, like, CGI or do, like, some post-credit stuff or uh, mm-hmm. post-production stuff on. But Lucy Hale was so good as a, as a thespian. So that if you eyes wide open, mouth open, panic. Well, if you freeze frame it, you can actually see the little puffs of smoke coming out of her ears. <laughs> I mean, that's that's craft right there. Um, but, yeah, she looks like she desperately needs to change this subject. So she's just like, so what are we going to do about Holbrook? Because this smells like Wilson all over again. And, you know, Hannah's getting stuff out of her locker. I think that's kind of the unspoken blocking leadership rule. Yeah. Who in the scene is getting shit out of their locker? Because Hannah's just kind of turned around, talking to him, going back. It's like they're all waiting for her here. Yeah. Uh, and she's just like, Holbrook is not Wilden. And Emily says, no, he may be worse. And Hannah says, Holbrook's not that bad of a cop. He's just a really bad kisser. And then all at once, like, all of them, like, Arya's just like, you kissed him? And Emily's like, when did you kiss him? And Spencer's just like, whoa, whoa, what? Like, they all say that that at the same time. Great reactions. And Hannah's face is just like, ugh, never mind. She's like, smell my finger, guys. Yeah, Emily's just like, Hannah? And Hannah says, "Uh, no, you guys, it was one kiss. Closed mouth. And Spencer's like, why did you kiss him? And it says, he helped my mom with that whole Wilden deposit box thing, and he stood up for Travis's dad in court. Anyone remember Travis? No. Uh, Spencer's like, okay, whatever happened to a thank you card? And uh, like as she says this, she like looks towards the other liars, like, back me up, bitches. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like, look, if Holbrook is helping Hannah, then she probably convinced him that she's a victim. If he knew who she, who she really was. Uh, and she just has this kind of like adorable like eye flutter and shrug, just like whatever, you know. There's there's not enough ever of Spencer like being the Emily fucking post of this group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the bell rings, and Spencer's just like, seriously though, how many schools did you get into? And, and Arya, you can see there's like just a little bit of panic on Spencer's face. And Arya has her most excellent, hilarious exit of all time. <laughs> she just walks right out of the frame. I gotta go. Yeah, Boom. she's basically Marlo Thomas in this episode. So we cut to uh, the pottery room, which I don't believe we've ever seen before. She walks in, and I just love the way she walks in and just drops her bag like she could give a shit. Like, it's such an interesting choice because she like it's so like casual. She just like yeah, whatever you know. Because nothing means anything anymore. Also, why did she have to take a pottery class at college if they have like a whole pottery set up here at the exactly. high school? Exactly. It's because, you know, she needed some college credits just to be Anita for, like, three episodes. Yeah. Well, and then she's just prancing in, drops her bag, like, she couldn't give a fuck, and it just, like, clunks to the ground. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to hear, like, glass breaking in there. It's not uh, like she, like, looks where she's setting it or anything. She just drops it without oh, and that's, looking. That's what makes it so perfect, is because she just doesn't care. Like, mm-hmm. all of these material things do not matter. Um her phone gets off. She gets a text from Ezra that says, Tomorrow night's grand opening is turning into a circus. Man, what a lame-ass text to get from your adult boyfriend when you're in high school. Especially... That's not sexy. No, not at all. nothing about Ezra is really sexy anymore. Come on, guys. Evil chickpeas. But also, Arya now has an iPhone. Oh, does she? Yeah, Arya now has oh, an iPhone. Oh, yeah. Everyone has an iPhone. They all have, like, the same case, too. I think, I think like, Hannah of... got them all the same case. Doesn't Spencer still kind of bounce back and forth between her iPhone and whatever the hell that other phone is? The giant... She usually has some Why? giant ass like Android thing, yeah. Yeah. Um. So Emily comes in and asks if she can talk to Arya for a minute, and Arya's just like, "Sure, let me finish this first. She Ezra's keeps on texting away. 
Well, she's doing that thing where like her arms are raised up way too high as she's texting. Like this is the most important thing in the world. And she's like, Ezra's bugging out. The opening went from 10 bookworms and a jug of Chablis to an event. Caterer, publicist. He's basically had to hire everything but a belly dancer. Well, I like the way she says she's like, he's (sighs) basically had to hire everything but a belly dancer. And Emily's just like, yeah. And Ari's like, Emily's like, damn. Yeah, wow. You into belly dancers? Which is a weird first place for Ari's mind to go. And he's like, I was going to ask him for a raise. I need the cash. Forget it. And Arya finally drops her phone. She's like, wait, cash for what? And he's like, a plane ticket to go see Paige or spring break. My mom won't even let me touch my college savings. Which is probably a good move by Pam. Understandably. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Arya just walks away like she cares less about this than hearing about Hannah's college. She literally walks away from the conversation. Like, could not give a fuck about Paley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's just like, isn't, isn't that girl gone? Yeah. Emily, meanwhile, is, is like, meanwhile, every day goes by, Paige and I are growing farther apart. Last time we spoke, Arya's I just even... whispering to herself, hashtag Emerson. Yeah. Last <laughs> Arya needs to start breaking the fourth wall, especially when it concerns social media. That'd be Turn awesome. right to the camera and just wink and be like, hashtag Emerson. Hashtag Arya's meltdown. She's like, last time we spoke, I even mentioned looking to a liberal arts school in Oregon, which can you imagine Emily going to read? The whore. Uh, she, Emily's like having to follow Arya around just because Arya's walking away from her. But yeah, Emily at Reed, I don't know about that. I don't know. Mm. Come back like in a black turtleneck. Yeah. Really short hair. Adbuster subscription. Yeah. Uh, Arya starts uh, going and getting her like buckets of clay or plaster or whatever. And Arya's like, Em, can we not do this right now? I can't talk about this. And Emily's like, Paige and me? And Arya's like, Because oh, Emily's just like, the fuck? Yeah. Arya's like, college. The whole subject is making my hair fall out. Seriously, it's like coming out in clumps. Arya's like, I don't know if you realize, Emily, you thought you were talking about Paige, but you were actually talking about me the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, hair's coming out in clumps. And Emily's like, what are you talking about? And Arya does her like classic like look behind her before she continues the conversation. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Em, I've been rejected from every single college I've applied to. Yesterday, Talmadge waitlisted me. Talmadge! Talmadge! <laughs> And Arya's like, I mean, tell me that A isn't responsible for this. And Emily's like, a wait list doesn't mean rejection. I wanted Emily to be like, you know what's funny is that we could have hacked into them and found out if you hadn't lost the fucking laptop. Eh, bygones. Yeah. Did Arya even tell them about that? Uh, who knows what exactly Maybe she, she did. told. We know that she told Emily that she got attacked. Yeah. Um, but Arya's just like, yeah, well, the rest of you are going to be waltzing off the sorority rush, and I'm going to be stuck picking up trash in Rosewood. That'll be me dodging a messages and wearing a big floppy hat to cover my bald spot it's like you know Arya. there's more options than college or picking up trash like, yeah yeah emily's you think like you're going to jail Arya. emily's like Arya, calm the fuck down uh she tells her that she can turn a wait list into an acceptance and that her cousin wrote this amazing letter to yale totally won them over because that's a real like, thing that happens yeah. Arya's like no this is allison's revenge keeping me here which Allison's in jail. You're stuck in Rosa, Pennsylvania. It's not exactly like the worst punishment. Yeah. Well, I like this. The bell rings and you hear some dude like off screen be like, you in this class? And Emily <laughs> just like sighs and rolls her eyes and takes off like totally exasperated as Arya's just like donning her smock, like pissy look on her face. Yeah, Emily's probably thankful to get the fuck out. Emily's like, well, I, I came here for moral support and said I got firebombed with your bullshit, Arya. Good day. <laughs> I said good day, sir. Um, I, I have to resend my comments a moment ago there. Uh, Allison is in jail. Mm-hmm. Ari is in pedo jail. I think I probably would prefer jail. 
now that I think about mm. it. Less uh, like douchey bookstores there. Um, is Arya wearing a necklace that has like a a metallic like tooth? <laughs> like the pendant is like a, a metal cast tooth, like a human tooth. Like she like took the T1000 tooth out Like of the, the whole skull. tooth, like you would extract a tooth in the big old root system. Yeah. Pretty sure that's a tooth. That's such an Arya thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got to the De Laurentiis business office, which I guess they do real estate and property management. Well, we've, we've never seen the inside of this place. We've like seen the exterior, but yeah, now we get the interior. They do some sort of real estate property management. Uh, Jason and Ashley. Very subtly in the back of the scene, because Jason's in the front, Ashley's like picking up a, like a manila folder and mm-hmm. taking a piece of paper off the fax machine and slipping it inside of it while like looking up at Jason the whole time while she's doing it. All I want to say about the storyline right now is strap yourselves in. This ride is going to get bump and grindy. Um, mm-hmm. Jason is going to the mail that Ashley's putting some papers in that folder. Jason's got like the like shirt and tie on. Like, he's back to being responsible, Jason. But he's also got like the weird happenstance stubble. Like I'm not buying a used car from this guy, let alone like a lease on a. That's just that's fashionable stubble. It's not like a chin strap. True, he's not he's not sporting Lucas stubble. Mm-hmm. Um, she tells him he's not sporting his like. He just wants to stubble. define his jaw a little. That's all. <laughs> she tells him that she opens everything that looks work related, and she figures that eventually she'd just forward his mother's mail to him. He says thanks. He asks how Hannah is, um, and as she says, you know, she's happy that Hannah's focusing on the future. That she's actually leaving today for a weekend away at Ballard College, and as she's like, it's a big decision. And Jason's like. You've made one too, I'm guessing, since you're faxing out your resume. Which... He has such a weird, like, confrontational affect. Yeah. Is this, like, from his counseling gig? Well, he, but at the same time, he seems, like, so fucking humorless. Yeah. It, I don't know. Jason, like, he, he has a weird vibe in this episode, which we can talk more about like, at the confrontational end. Confrontational or, like, at the other end of the spectrum, like, always flabbergasted. But yeah, it's a nice touch here, though, because it's. It's a nice reminder that even a loser like Jason isn't totally unobservant. He's still Allison's sister. Yeah, and Ashley kind of guiltily shrugs, and she's like, yeah, I saw something that looked potentially interesting, and I thought I should, and Jason's just like, you leave, and I'm stuck working with some stranger, someone who will ask a lot of questions about my family. Boo-hoo. Which, like, way to put all the pressure on her, Jason. Like, Jason is totally Allie's sister. Like, he's such a manipulator, but he just does it in a uh, a less kind of greedy way than Allison does, I guess, you know, like Jason knows what he's doing, but he, he's not quite as overt about it. Well, but also, you know, for everyone who hates Allison, she still has way more finesse than Jason. But Jason, what he lacks in finesse, I feel like he makes up for in like kind of like guilt tripping and <laughs> kind of like emotional blackmail, you know? <laughs> yes, that's true. Those dials have been turned up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Ashley's like, well, I have a few about your sister myself. Um, So Ashley suggests that maybe Jason would be better off starting fresh with someone new in the office. But he doesn't agree. He asks if there's anything he can say to get her to agree to stay for at least one more month. Just until I feel confident enough to say that I belong here and really believe it. Which, wasn't he running this office by himself before? I I guess not. Ashley, like, he's a big sigh and smiles. And it's like, Jesus, like, this is the immature asshole who cuts my checks. Yeah, and it's not a big deal. But, like, isn't he technically the owner of the dealer at his home? I believe well, so. Wasn't he the one who bought it back from Maya's family? So anyways, uh, Rosewood High. Rosewood's in the hallway. She's like on a break or something calling Toby. He says he can't talk right now. We see that Toby and some other cops are like walking through the woods looking around. And Toby's like, Tanner issued another search behind Mona's house. 
And Spencer's just like, Tanner, Tanner still thinks that, that Mona's body's out there? And Toby's like, I gotta go. And he thinks that. <laughs> really gotta go. Sorry, Spence. Like, I don't get recess like you do. Yeah. Um, you can just know that somewhere, like, Officer Barry's, like, looking at him and like, that fucking guy. He's just um, shaking his head. Totally and just, like, cracking his knuckles. Yeah, totally. Like, just his beating his stick against his palm. Uh, Toby walks around, like, kicking some leaves around. He spots something. It looks like an old... Well, the way he's just kicking leaves around, it's like, wow, you're such a pro, Tobes. Like, he's yeah. kicking leaves, like, humdrum, arms hanging. What am I going to do? Oh, shit. There's a knife. Yeah, well, he's he's realized that there's plenty of life, love, and beauty in these woods, yo. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees this knife and he's got, like this like oh shit face. And then now, when he first saw this knife, didn't this thing look like a fucking like cheese spreader knife or something? Yeah, yeah. like because you can't see like the end of the blade, and so it just it looks like flat and dull and like completely non-threatening. It looks like you could carve up some hors d'oeuvres and maybe not so much a body at first. Um, some calls out Kavanaugh, and Toby kind of recovers the knife and he's like all clear. And he walks away because he's covering up evidence like a good Rosewood cop would. Yeah. Oh, and this knife, I don't know, like the handle's like either wood or bone. It's probably wood. Um, I don't know. It doesn't look that impressive to me. It's not a scary knife. No. It's not like a good scream kitchen knife, you know, or a butcher knife or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after the commercial, we're in Spencer's kitchen. Here we go. Toby, Caleb, and Spencer. Caleb and Spencer. Well, who down. invited Caleb to this? Toby? It's like he's called a meeting here Wouldn't it of be uh, his, the two loves of his life. Yeah, seriously, his, his two loves. Wouldn't it be great if there was that conversation or like you know, Spencer's like, well, I'm glad you invited Caleb to this Toby. And Toby's like, I didn't invite him. I thought you invited him. <laughs> Caleb's like, seriously, you got any food here? I'm starving. Um, yeah, Caleb and Spencer are sitting at the island there. As We're going to get some amazing up. hand acting from uh, oh, everyone in the scene, but especially Keegan Allen. Oh, it's off the, it's off the hook here. Uh, Spencer's like, what do you mean it's your knife? And Toby's like, I recognize it as soon as I saw it. It's my family's. My dad popped the top off a jar when I was eight and broke the handle. I mean, his hands are just yeah. painting a picture. And Caleb's like, there's a chunk missing right in center. And Toby says, yeah. So this is nice. Like, because like in the previous scene, you might have been thinking, Toby, you fucking idiot. Like, what kind of cop are you? Why don't you like, you know, get the knife? Mm-hmm. Now they explain why. Uh, it's funny, like when you kind of read some recaps and you know see what people thought on reddit it seems like a lot of times people's complaints about the show are because they just maybe didn't pay close enough attention mm-hmm. usually there are explanations for why the characters don't do certain things you know well and, and i think we talked about this like in after dark or something but it's like a lot of times things that we question that we ponder like we're going to talk about who where, where caleb was living previously and all that mm-hmm. stuff i don't ever think that it's necessarily a flaw in the writing I think the show is very good about not having the characters exposition every single facet of their life. But they usually do provide the relevant details to explain why they're not going to the cops or, you know, like why Toby didn't oh, alert yeah, yeah. the others to the knife. You just have to pay attention for it because it goes by quickly. Yeah, a lot of these things, I guess, if you're ever confused, I would suggest to you, why don't you just watch this show? Because like, nine times out of ten, I guarantee you, if you missed it, it's because you didn't watch the show or you... You know, it's not really the show's fault because it probably was on air there. But um, yeah, Caleb's like, because I've used it many times, which is a metaphor for their love. Yeah, because Spencer wants to know how he knows what the knife looks like. Yeah. Uh, And Toby says it's from his family's cabin. So there we go. That was Toby's family cabin that Caleb was crashing at. Yes. Uh, Congratulations, Marco. You were right. And Toby says, uh, when I saw it, I froze. A million things went through my head. And for a moment, I forgot I was a cop. 
so I didn't know what to do. I just left it there. Toby's like, so many lols. How did I get here? Did I drive here? Where am I? Is this a knife? Who is this? This is not my beautiful Sometimes wife. I walk around for two hours. I don't know how I got there. That's, that's cool, Toby. You're just fitting in with the Rosewood cops. They forget that they're cops all the time, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Spencer's just like, oh, my God. It's like she can't believe her like fucking doofus of a boyfriend is a cop. And he's just like, I have to go back. And Spencer says, of course you do. You have to go back and get it. We have to get rid of it before anybody else finds it. And Toby's just like, wait, 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 slow down. That knife could be the murder weapon. And Caleb's getting a little uncomfortable. And Toby says, it's what we've been looking for. It's what we need. Spencer's like, we? And Toby says, the police. This is the the through line of their entire... Mm -hmm. Their entire story this episode. That's not cool, Toby. There's no we that includes the police in the Spencer-Toby equation. Spent mm-hmm. yeah, this like triumvirate of uh, cover-up and lies here. Uh, Spencer's like, Toby, Allison said it herself. She wants us with her. Behind bars. She's already framed me once. The knife is a plant. You don't know that. And <laughs> Caleb and Spencer look at each other just like, this fucking naive sap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Toby's just like, I want to turn it in. If Allison stole that knife and used it. They could lock her away for good. All we need is just one of her friends. And Caleb's like, right, but what if it has mine on it? Or Hannah's, Spencer says, or yours. And Toby says, yeah, that's a gamble. But and Caleb's just like, but what? I'm not risking my neck so he can get a medal for this. Uh, Toby's ass is getting dressed down by his like teenage girlfriend and a high school dropout. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's first of all, Toby, you did not need to come and get their approval <laughs> for anything. Didn't you, you though? You are an adult and also a police officer. But then this is this is where we really hit home here. This is the more like the through line of the entire episode. Toby's like, this is about doing the right thing. And Caleb's like, there is no right thing. Which, boom, Tango and Cash 2015. Yeah. There's only buy the book and save our ass. And I know which one I'm doing. And Caleb's about to leave. Toby like reaches out and kind of like touches his chest to stop him. And Caleb's just like, don't, man. You guys, I think the Hardy Bros are breaking up. Spencer's or Toby's just says Spencer and they both like look at her like Caleb and Toby both and Spencer's eyes are like dart, darting back and forth like not sure whose side to take and Caleb's just like this is crazy and he turns to Spencer he's like I know you feel the same way I do mm-hmm. and it's like about Toby yes this is true Caleb mm-hmm. time for threesome mm-hmm. and Spencer says I think that we shouldn't do anything we will promise not to touch it if you promise to keep quiet we being her and Caleb, yeah. you being Toby. Caleb's Toleron. like, you just want to leave it there? And Toby says, fine, you know, that's what we'll do. But no one can know we had this conversation. Spencer's like, of course. And she looks at Caleb and and she's like, Caleb, please. And Caleb's like gazing into Toby's eyes for a while and reluctantly nods. Hardy Bros and Nancy Drew as a triumvirate of evidence tampering. Also, after this scene's ended, they should have like turned to walk away, stopped, kind of laughed at themselves turned back to face each other and all been like, hey, we're going to fuck each other over with this promise, aren't we? I mean, literally and figuratively, right? <laughs> um, like within the next five hours. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, seriously, we just all made each other a quote unquote promise. <laughs> um, so Ezra's bookstore. Oh, hurt me to say that. Uh, we pan over the bookstore. Well, it's a coffee place, but it's a bookstore. So what, what is the business model here? Let's so we pan over a bookshelf. I just want to talk about some of the signage here. Like, it's, where's the margin? Is it in the coffee or the books? Uh, I think based on the uh, storefront outside, which we'll see later, it's mm-hmm. books. It's like a it's like a like a, a literary Java salon. It's not like there's a ton of shelves though. 
No, like no. it's not like you would go here to pick up the new like Grisham novel. Right, right. This is not. This isn't even like Powell. Should books. I say the new Joanna Fluke novel? Yeah, yeah. Um. So over the first bookshelf that we pan over, we see adventure and in parentheses future, then romance, then adventure, then drama in parentheses future, then romance, then poetry, and in parentheses adventure, then something I couldn't make the out. Crazy dream. fucking drama future like is that where i find my star wars books like, and then poetry, I, i'm so confused imagine uh there's at least some copies of the chime tower's wife there on the shelves because i can pick out the hmm. book spine anywhere uh which is both adventure drama romance and sci-fi there's like a couch set up uh it, this place looks hideous where's, um, like, where's like speculative fiction you know well it's like imagine opening a bookstore where every single everything inside that bookstore was nothing but punchlines Mm-hmm. And that's Ezra's life. Um, so and it's not that many shells. I mean, no. we're talking. That's like I have maybe half the amount of shells of for books like in my room. You know, like it's not that many shells. It's maybe like uh, sixteen shells total to, to put some books on. Yeah, I have way too many books just in my life in various you know mm-hmm. places around the country. I have like like twelve times the amount of books that, that Ezra has set up here for business for commerce um so we see Arya's like unpacking a box of books we see another guy's putting up signs outside of the neon sign we see that it still looks like it's the rear window brew um because basically ezra is running like a world market here with more books and coffees um mm-hmm. and i know i know this is like a fictional pennsylvania town that's using sets from the gilmore girls which was set in a fictional connecticut town but honestly all of this that you see here could be like a portlandia skit well and then can we be real here? Uh, the old brew was better. They took yeah. away the liar's couch. They had no yeah. nook. Yeah. I well, feel like Arya should have put her foot down and be like, what What? What are you doing? The couch stays. Oh, even before this scene unfurled, like you knew that Arya was going to be the first lady of this. What's thing. also funny, too, is I know that the um, the cast likes that couch to hang out at mm-hmm. in the morning, like between shoots. Um, so I wonder how they feel about that. Like the cast of the show, hmm. they took their couch away. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so this artsy dude who's setting up some more this signs, is Johnny, Johnny, asked Johnny if can, with no H, which is, you know, don't trust him. Uh, yeah. he asked if he can borrow Arya's eye. Can he I said, borrow your eye? That's a glass eye reference. He's like, uh, wouldn't it be great if it had a camera in it? Mm-hmm. Um, he says, tell me if this is slanted and don't lie to me. I think I, I'll think I aced it and I'll live to regret it. This ass- asshole hipster is wearing a Ramones t-shirt. Um, he says, you know, I regret it. like a, a beret on or something too. I spend my days paddling through a stew of regrets and Arya just kind of like looks at him, like tone it down, you know, and then she looks at him, looks at him and she's like, it's perfect. And he's just like, wow, you're a really good liar, which <laughs> Arya is, she's so subtly satisfied to hear that she looks down like she's almost blushing. By the way, this sign, like, the whole, like, aesthetic here, would it matter if it was slanted a little? It's supposed to look all, like, stenciled and, like, kind of, like, you know, rough and vintage mm-hmm. Who cares if it's slanted a little? It, well, it just says books. So, outside, we'll get, I, we know this is, like, later. Outside, mm-hmm. we'll see that the sign says, like, use new rare books. And there's such, like, a cavalcade of fonts there that it looks like a goddamn ransom note. Yeah, well, that's that's, like, the the aesthetic they're going for Uh, so who cares if it's straight or not bro right right there's it should be slanted a little 
there's like an old timey typewriter in there. I mean, this is basically Ezra's apartment mixed with the vibe of a Christian coffee shop. I don't want to find myself trapped in either. Mm-hmm. But somehow both. So Emily comes in and she and Ari exchange some haze. Ezra comes out from behind a curtain. He's on the phone of his caterer and he's just like, I understand that, Andre, but scallops are not part of the budget. I, I And Arya comes over and he tells her that he's been put on hold. Can we back up for a moment? Why is Ezra coming out from behind a curtain? <laughs> <laughs> Ezra should always be coming out from behind a curtain. These are like extremely elaborate uh, kind of like, like detailed, ornate red curtains that he's coming out of. I like Twin Peaks curtains. I really mm-hmm. wonder if somebody on the uh, the design team for the show like put their foot down on like a bead curtain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess like, there's no, a door the there. There's it. like a door there he's coming out of. Was he in the bathroom? <laughs> That's not cool, Ezra. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's talking to uh, Andre here about uh, scalps not being part of the budget and and uh, our, he gets put on hold. He's like, "I what?" She keeps putting him on hold. And Arya says, "Well, tell him to stick the original plan." And Ezra says, "And that was like three plans ago." Oh, he's coming tomorrow night. You should really talk to him. He teaches at Vassar. He Have you heard from the, them yet? The book that she yeah, he says from. about the book he's pointing at. Because for a second, I was like, "Wait a minute, your caterer teaches at <laughs> Vassar? What the fuck?" <laughs> but of course, because he has mentioned college, we get the opportunity for more hilarious Arya face. Mm-hmm. And her eyes are just like in a panic like oh shit college mm-hmm. yeah has, has she heard from vassar yet she's like uh no no not yet runs um, away over back where emily's doing whatever she's doing in the background there's a fucking bust yeah yeah i don't i don't know who it's of it's not shakespeare which was my first thought i would assume that it's probably gonna be uh oh you know what i think i do see the liar's couch maybe they just moved it mm. behind I, ezra I really want it to be like maybe like a bust of James Joyce. I don't know. Also, I feel like they're doing something with Ezra in this episode. I, I feel like they told Ian Harding, like, try not to smile because he really comes off kind of like toolish in this whole episode. I mean, more than usual. Yeah, I was going to say, you like might want to clarify that. But like not in his usual, like, I'm a nice guy thing. Like he's not, he's just kind of like, I don't know, just like asshole-ish a lot like through the whole episode he's he like comes... dealing with caterers and like being a boss and just kind of a dick well he comes off as a guy who even more than usual is completely out of his element has no business running a coffee slash bookstore but like there's no charm because he's, he's trying to be all alpha yeah and there's no charm in it um so Ezra's like he's like telling the caterer again after he says that we need to go back to the original plan he's like it's a bookstore no one's coming here for the tamarind dipping sauce. And Emily's like, listen to this. And the guy like quits on Ezra, hangs up on him. Well, he should, Ezra's like, what? And he just click. And he's like, he just quit on me. In your fucking face, Ezra. Yeah. <laughs> so Emily marches over and she's just like, I can do it. And Ezra's like, do what? And she's like, cater your party. And he's like, she's like, it pays more than a barista, right? And he's like, did I miss something? When did you become a professional chef? Which, Emily's just like, did I miss something? When did you become a small business owner? That's what I thought. Eat a dick. Well, it's like, she's like, oh, hey, dickhole. Where are all the cameras in here for you to spy on young women, you prick? Also, Emily's like, her t-shirt has those like huge armholes so you can just completely see her bra underneath. Like, this is just her new look, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's like, don't give a fuck. She's walking a little bit on the wild side here. Um, mm-hmm. Emily's like, I've been helping my mom in the kitchen since I could walk. Let me do it. Ezra's like having a hard time processing this. And then Arya jumps in and she's just like, yeah, 
I'm sure it'll be amazing. It's not like Emily's a stranger in that kitchen. Which, just, do you remember the time when Emily watched Arya pour a drink <laughs> on uh, Annie Hall slash Melly Mayron's, like, camera equipment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and Emily's like, and your guests are going to be here in less than 27 hours. We can either debate this or I can get started. Stick to your budget and blow you away. Your choice. Like, she's putting so much, like, crazy Emily energy into this. And Ezra's like, did you even take home ec? <laughs> Which is my new favorite Ezra moment. Like the way it's even better than the uh Emily, some of us have real problems. Oh yes. Did you Wait. even take home ec? Like he's just like Emily's face is like blank smile, doesn't know how to respond. Arya's face is like, mmm, angry head tilt. And Ezra's just like, oh, it's like that. Never mind. And he says, uh, sorry, go for it, Emily. Yeah, she it, smiles and bounces off, and he's just like, Jesus Christ. You I, can I only just, force a smile. I just want to say, are you trying to grow a beard? What? No. <laughs> exactly. Also, who on the like writing staff is a fan of Joanna Flute? Because her books are all over this place. Yeah, so so two things, too. I really wonder how this will affect the murder mystery bookstore in town. You know, the one with the spinner racks outside. I know, uh, that's true. And all the Ivy Dunbar books. Uh, secondly... In in case you're like searching for words to describe what's happening with Emily and Arya's storylines for the rest of this episode, I feel like it's basically leftover plots from Friends. Because <laughs> Emily's going to become full on Monica Geller in that kitchen. Seriously. Um. So before we get to the the next scene, also about Allison, is she being denied bail? Because I would think that no matter how high that bail is, the dealer and his family could afford it. I it, don't think that if if you were in jail for two murder charges potentially. And it was known that she fled and disappeared for two years after one of them. No, they still think she was kidnapped, right? I don't know if they think that anymore or not. Okay. I mean, if she was kidnapped right after she murdered Bethany Young, maybe. You know, I mean, that's... I feel like they're they're going to tell the judge, like, no way we're letting this chick out. She's a flight risk. Like, we found her with fake passports and shit as she was leaving. Also, also, judge... They were breakfast at Tiffany's themed fake passports. <laughs> I think it's clear that you need to call her a flight risk. The judge is like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so back to the De Laurentiis offices. Phone rings. Ashley answers. It's jail. And the jail robot says, this call is from Chester Women's Correctional Facility. You have a call from inmate. And then Allison's voice comes on and says, Allison De Laurentiis. Uh, the robot says, if you'd like to accept this call, press one. And as she looks over at Jason, kind of concerned, she presses one, and Allie, we hear her say, Jason? And as she says, uh, no, it's Allison, Hannah's mom. And Jason kind of pauses hearing this, and, uh, she looks over, or Jason, or Jason looks over, and Ashley's, like, kind of looking at him, like, hey, you know, you gonna take this? And Allie's like, Miss Marin, is my brother there? And Ashley's see like, Allison at the payphone in the prison, like, yeah. back and forth. Ashley's like, your brother? And Jason just like silently shakes his head like, no, fuck no. <laughs> and Allie's just like, can I speak with him, please? And Ashley's like, he's not able to do this right now. Can I call you back tomorrow? And Allie's just like, I, I need to talk to him. And Ashley's like covering the receiver, looking very intently at Jason, like holding out the phone. And like, come on, asshole. And he just shakes his head. And so Ashley has to be like, I'm sorry, Allison. You'll have to call back another time. She hangs up. Poor Allie. Well, I love the way they edited this, though, where you see Allison for that moment at the payphone where she asks, talk to, is her brother's there? And then they cut back to her only as she hears the click of yeah. Ashley hanging up. 
I really love it that that's what they give her to play off. Like it's it's interesting how little Allison you get in this episode, and I think that kind of makes a lot of her stuff more effective. Yeah, because um, she just has to like slowly hang up. Like shit. Yeah, <laughs> that sucks. So, so in the dealer's office, there, uh, Jason walks around to the other side of Ashley's desk, and Ashley's like, "Please don't make me do that." Again. Well, the, he walks around like and like plops his file down as though he's just making it apparent of like how like displeased he was with that, even though yeah. like. He totally like put that all on Ashley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's just like saying no is not as hard as taking the call. And she's like, well, have you seen her since? And he's like, once. I can't go back. I can't even look at her now without thinking she might have something to do with what happened to my mom. And Ashley's just like, ugh. <laughs> well, like, so Jason, you begged Ashley to stay another month. And then you just force this awkward bullshit on her. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, thanks a lot, asshole. I really hope that that begging her to stay like came with a huge raise. Seriously. Well, I, and I, you know what? Based on these two scenes, I'm honestly not sure who was the better person to work for, Jason or Jessica. <laughs> yeah, I really, really don't know. Um, so at the Ballard College, Hannah and her student guide buddy are like walking around outside the uh, student union, and this is where Hannah's look really just becomes even more amazing she's got like her giant purse on and her shades and her stuff like teddy bear dog. oh yeah she has her don't give a fuck sunglasses it's on not Bungie the dog um but the guide's telling hannah that the the building that houses student union was the original college founded by eustace ballard and ashley benson like again it's like she looks like the star of a ferris bueller remake um well, her like her guide here is some kind of like geeky looking girl um by the way that stuffed animal i think has like ballard college t-shirt on it it's like something she got from the college Oh, cool. Uh, so this geeky girl, she says, Founding Father Eustace Ballard laid the first brick of the foundation himself. I can show you a plaque carved in wood from Mr. Ballard's outhouse. <laughs> it's like, wow, that sounds fucking scintillating. Is, mm. is this a plaque made of wood that hung in the outhouse? Or is it made from the wood that was used to build the outhouse? Either way, I don't want to see it. Either way, it's why why would anyone want to see that? Yeah. She also says that, you know, oh, it's, it's a shitter plaque. Great. Well, like this, I actually really like adore like how peppy and nerdy this chick is. Like the '90s show that everyone will agree was terrible, but I loved, which was Undressed. Like these two would totally have an awesome storyline for three episodes. Uh, but so the chick, like, and it's I just mention, like okay. The chick, she's like, did I mention that Ballard was a minister? And Hannah's just like, uh, yeah. And remember, I told you that my mom is dating one, which or now, fucking Pastor Ted. Uh. And the guy's like, oh, cool beans. The girl. Yeah, yeah the, the girl buddy guy is just like, cool beans, and runs inside the student union to grab them both like a weekend calendar. So now that she's finally gone, like Hannah whips out her phone and calls Caleb. And he's like, hey. And she's like, save me. And he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, my buddy has verbal diarrhea. The back of a cereal box is more interesting than this girl. And Caleb's like, sorry. And she's like, that was supposed to make you laugh. You okay? So I love the, the look on her face. Like, she's so confident in herself. She's like, come on, that was a good joke. It was like the whole time she's been listening to this chick, she's been thinking of this zinger for calling mm-hmm. Caleb. So we cut to, like, Caleb's, like, hacker lab slash fuck pad. And he's just like, um, Toby was on a search of his property and found a bloody knife. And she's like, what? Hannah and Caleb have matching iPhone cases now. His is dark gray. Hers is pink. Also, Caleb, like, in his new bedroom, he has, like, deodorant on the nightstand. Mm-hmm. That's not cool. <laughs> I guess gross, Caleb. Go this put it in your medicine man. cabinet. Yeah. Uh, so Hannah's like, what? And he's like, it's from the Kavanaugh cabin. And Hannah's like, well, who put it there? Holbrook? 
Caleb, I'm coming home. And he tells her no, she's not. That's exactly what A wants her to do, to drop everything. So he tells her don't. But you can't tell Hannah nothing. You know why? Do you know why you can't tell her nothing? Because she's Hannah Marin. Because it's complicated. Yeah. Uh, so we get some Hannah face. We get some Caleb face. Um, a moment later, the student guide buddy comes bouncing out of the student union, and Hannah is gone. Yeah, she's like, Hannah? Hannah? Hannah is nowhere to be found. She's off to save the day, slash BA, maybe. That chick is so much that whatever she needs to be that she's probably going to sit there for another half an hour calling out Hannah's name. Hannah? 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 Have you seen Hannah? Hannah? Yeah. Yeah, So we uh, cut to the Petal Brew kitchen here. Emily's got her apron on. She's looking through an iPad like for recipes. And Arya marches right in. And she says, hey, can I show show you something before Ezra gets here? Mm -hmm. Or gets back here. And uh, she hands this letter for Emily to read. And Arya says, so I spent all last period in the library writing my letter to Talmadge. And I, I don't want to sound desperate, but I just figured, you know, if they see like a hundred of these every day. And Emily's like, no, it's good. But, uh, and Arya's like, what? And Emily says, you need to make it more personal. Arya needs to make her mostly personal writing more personal. Shouldn't Arya be talking to Spencer about this? Yeah. Or is she just like, that bitch couldn't get into you, pen? Fuck her. <laughs> and Arya's just like, personal? What? What do you well, want me she, to tell them? That I spent she, all junior year being hunted down by A? She's like, what? what, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> and Emily's like, and like, Aria, that's... And Aria cuts her off. She's like, yeah. And I wanted to write this like two weeks earlier, but I was too busy being suffocated by a plastic sheet. You knew she had to come back to complaining about that. And then this is one of my favorite Emily lines. This is like, if you've listened to this podcast, I have wanted Emily to say this for years now. <laughs> she says, Aria, you're spiraling again. And Ari says, no, you can't spiral, Emily, if you've already crashed. I mean, Talmadge was supposed to be my slam dunk. Then yesterday I got a letter that was all slam and no dunk, and I've already missed every other deadline. So if I don't get bumped up from the, this wait list, I don't get to go to college next fall. And just then Ezra enters, like, carrying a box. Which, and, like, kind of just, like, this unsmiling, like, oof, like, you know, look on his face. Let's not gloss over the fact that... The worlds are colliding. Like this is literally the end of the world because Arya has just made the first of two sports metaphors in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> that is not Arya's bag, baby. Uh, so Emily's just like, "Oh, thank gosh." Emily's like, "I'm out of this shit show." She's like, "I have to go call my mom or just go stare at a wall or something." So Ezra comes over, like wanting to hear all about this now, uh, and Arya's just like, "I didn't know how to tell you this, but nobody wants me." And Ezra's like, Arya, that's not true. There's tons of dudes my age who want you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, uh, there are many, many, many great colleges that you can apply to in the future. And Arya's like, no, I mean, I can write a better letter. And Ezra says, you could write The Great's Wrath and it still wouldn't matter. Talmadge recently hired Jackie Molina as an admissions officer. And Arya's like, Jackie? And Ezra says, "Mm mm-hmm. And Arya for the audience says, Jackie, as in your ex-Jackie who hates my guts? And Ezra says, you forgot to mention that she hates my guts even more. Look, I know it hurts, but it's a temporary setback. That's all. Promise. Mm. And Arya, like, deploys full puppy dog eyes now, so he gives her a reassuring hug. Yeah, it's, it's cold comfort to the shusher. Um, I'm sure Ezra would be ecstatic to have Arya stuck there going to Hollis College. Because honestly, mm-hmm. what do either of them think happens to this relationship if she goes <laughs> away to school and he's now running Cafe Biblioteca? I think whatever? they just don't talk about it. Also, I like that this episode, while trying to establish that Ezra is still some kind of nominally important man of letters or whatever, what grapevine is he tuned into in like the academic world? How the <laughs> fuck does he know Talmadge well, recently hired Jackie? She's on his website page. He would know that. 
<laughs> he just or keeps poking she, her. She, she updated it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we cut to Caleb uh, zipping up like a tight black jacket here, ready for a little skulking, maybe a little B and E. There's a loud it. knock at the door. And he opens it, and it's Spencer, also in a black trench coat and ponytail. Mm-hmm. And Spencer just says, "Seriously," which is how she should start every conversation. Yes. And Caleb just like leans back and lets her march right in. And Spencer says, "I mean, the shelf life on secrets around here has reached an all-time low." And Kayla's just like, I know, I shouldn't have told her. And Spencer says, what, you could have at least warned me before I was carpet-bombed with angry texts. Kayla's like, why was she angry? And uh, Spencer says, because I didn't tell her, and I had to beg her not to tell Arya and Emily. Uh, I think the reason these two work so well together is because, like, Spencer needs that outlet to vent, and she can do it at Caleb with no repercussions or hurt feelings, Uh but he still has to listen to her because she's Hannah's friend, you know? Right. But I think they also recognize. And, like, if you disregard Caleb for at least the first half of this season, mm-hmm. um, like, they both realize that they're operating on a level of skill sets that, like... Well, and, like, like a cynical realism, you know? Right. Which is crazy to me to think about, and I know we talked about it on the podcast, that episode where they had that scene together... You know, where not only were they able to, like, work together and have amazing chemistry, and Spencer was able to compliment, like, Caleb's, like, ultra-rich wardrobe, new wardrobe. <laughs> that she's was, like, like season- I'm going to turn you into a wasp. Yeah, like, that was season three. Like, it mm-hmm. took two years for them to realize, like, we need to put these two together, because this is going to be awesome. Um, yeah, but so... She, then- she looks at, like, behind Caleb on his bed, there's, like, a flashlight and a map and a knapsack. Uh, she's like, what is that? And he, he's kind of looking guilty. And she's like, you're going back for it, aren't you? And Caleb says, Spencer, if my prints are on that. Uh, and Spencer just, she has her hands in her coat pockets and she just like flaps her coat out like so. you know. Mm. And Caleb's like, I can't get hauled away on a sp- suspicion of murder again. Spencer's like, again? And Caleb says, look, I'm sure Hannah has told you some stuff about my past, but there are things that I haven't even told her. Holy shit, actual bad guys. And Spencer's intrigued and she's like, what did you do? And Caleb has to like do some sign and some pacing and some dramatically sitting down. Like he's really gotta build this up, so she like moves in closer, you know, to like get get the story here and says, I hacked for some dudes in Allentown. Some credit some card number scam. When one of them turned up dead, the other one pointed the finger at me. I mean, I was easy to railroad. I'd bailed from my foster home. I was living on the streets. And Spencer's like, what happened? And he says, one of the detectives saw I was just some stupid kid who'd made some stupid decisions. He got me released. But if I get taken in on a charge like that, I'm not going to have somebody there to look after me. What about your parents, Caleb? Hmm. And Caleb's like, I'm not some stupid kid anymore. Now you're a stupid adult. Stupid emancipated minor. Uh, Caleb's like, you going to tell Toby now? And Spencer's kind of looking off, regretful, and she's like, no, coming with you. She grabs his flashlight, even though I'm sure she has a better one. Right. Well, I really wanted him to, like, accidentally bump her and, like, her map or whatever fall out of her pocket. <laughs> but, well, I mean, Spencer's wearing a black trench coat here. Clearly, she's ready to do some dirt as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel like the show potentially missed a, an opportunity to have that detective that he talks about in his little story there. Oh, yeah. Tanner. That'd be interesting. Wouldn't that be fascinating? But like, also, uh, total, totally off topic. Mm-hmm. Is it me or should maybe Caleb bring back the long hair? Yeah. Something about short-haired Caleb doesn't feel totally right. Well, he still looks kind of like disheveled. 
he needs like I feel like the closer he looks to Gambit, the better off he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he can wear a shirt that just says like in your fucking face, Channing Tatum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really watched that scene on the edge of my seat, just being like, say actual bad guys, actual say. bad guys. Yeah, I had um, for some guys in Allentown. Actual bad guys. It just makes me think of the Billy Joel song. So after the commercial, we're in Arya's bedroom. Well, it's, it's montage time. Tegan yeah. and Sarah. She's listening to some Tegan and Sarah, which I love the line from the song is, burn, burn, burn your life down. <laughs> She's wearing her novelty kale t-shirt, like in a Yale font. That's um, the, the perfect Arya shirt. She's you know, kale. I do like those kale shirts, but I have also seen far too many an asshole wearing them, thinking they're clever. Um, like Arya. Yeah, she clicks on the link. She's on. Well, she's, she's on some website pages. She's for on her, the ground, like on the floor of her room on her computer. That's terrible ergonomic posture there. There's, Word. Yeah, that's got to be sore. Word. Yeah. Um, and she's fur- furiously website paging the Talmadge College website. She clicks on the link to the admissions office. There's the picture of Jackie Molina. She like picks up her letter again and kind of stares at it pondering let me cut to the kitchen where the music's continuing emily's like looking at basically pinterest boards for things to do for this some kind of like stuffed grapes. that's like a recipe book thing so she's like hollowing out some grapes and then you know kind of great like pullback to reveal how many grapes she has to hollow out like you know by hand or whatever uh montage continues um it's this montage is really like the pilot to the sitcom where Emily and Arya like move to the city and become roommates. <laughs> you know, like basically an even better brand new update of the odd couple. Yeah, Arya's pacing in her room in her kale shirt, just kind of flopping around, flops down on the bed, and like makes those puppy dog eyes just like at the ceiling, even though no one can see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emily's trying to like stuff these grapes with some I don't know, like cream or something, and it's not working. She's it's like frustrated. shooting right to the other side, which yeah, I think we all saw that coming. Uh, then Arya jumps up in her room, suddenly inspired. In a fit of madness, she runs over to her laptop, which is now on the desk. She sits down and starts like typing, because this is how a manifesto was born. Mm-hmm. There's like, just she a gets look. the creepiest smile on her face. But it's like the the derpiest, yeah. <laughs> like like fit of mad creativity smile. Um, the funny thing is, for how much Arya and Ezra used to talk about each other's terrible short stories and poems. You rarely ever saw them like sit down and bleed, like Hemingway would say, or mm-hmm. compose, you know? Oh, she's um, bleeding now. Yeah. Bleeding. Meanwhile, Emily's getting frustrated, like throwing shit against the wall because, like, nothing that she's trying to make yeah, is working. Throwing lots of dough against the wall. So the, the montage ends later in the kitchen, and Emily's on the phone of her mom trying to figure out what to do with the, the fillings. Um, which, why doesn't she just draft Pam. Pam to come down and, like, help her whip up some of those popovers? Because they couldn't afford Pam in this episode. Yeah. Uh, and Emily's just like, what about the fillings? I mean, do I start with that first or should I maybe be doing? And then Ezra walks in. Uh, and Emily sees him, spins around. Uh, and she's like, oh, mom, uh, let me call you right back. Okay, thanks. Click. Uh, so she's turned back on like the manic energy. And she's like, hey, I thought you went home to crash. And Ezra's like, I did, but uh, I couldn't sleep. And Emily's like, nervous about tomorrow? And Ezra says, no. I swore to ride past nervous and went into full-blown panic attack. Oh, He's doing his like, weird pauses. He says, Emily, should we be calling in some, some help? help? <laughs> like, is he having like a, like a palsy moment here? <laughs> yeah. Emily's Let's get like, real. Ezra's been watching her on his hidden camera at home. And like, just shaking, shaking his, his head. head. Yeah. <laughs> and so Emily's like, what do you mean? And Ezra's like, like a professional chef and Emily's like why no no everything's un- totally under control food's gonna be awesome and Ezra says okay 
we're going to be eating dinner off the walls and kind of points at the mistake she's been throwing at the wall and some of it like slides down. Perfectly timed. Some of that dough slops off the shelf <laughs> on the counter, which to me is personally, I took it as a reference to my favorite part of the odd couple, which involves food on the wall. But at least like that was an experiment. I just spoke to my mom and she gave me her famous empanada recipe. And as I was like, all right, because I can always call a restaurant or I can ask. And she's like, don't. There's no reason to panic. Everything is going to be great. Which just... Well, Emily's doing all these like crazy like head shakes and like sways and like her whole body's in like selling this performance. Just know? imagine Courtney Cox delivering those lines. But mm-hmm. like seriously though, I feel like Shane Mitchell is really showing off that she has amazing range for comedy and not just like maxim photo shoots. And I feel like 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 Ashley Benson was really wasted as like one of the girlfriends of the week on How I Met Your Mother. So I hate to see that happen to Shane Mitchell, but I'd love to see her do more comedy. And also, though I actually hate the show with a fiery passion, it was good synergy, I think, to have her promote PLL on the Chew the <laughs> day this episode aired. It made a lot of sense. Uh, so meanwhile, in the woods somewhere. At some like creepy, like white trash RV park, Hannah rolls up in her Mercedes here. <laughs> gets out looking around this place it's like there's just like these kind of abandoned like junked up cars mm-hmm. um like there's like a what looks like a weight bench just like mm-hmm. sitting out in the open next to some like crumpled up beer cans on the ground next to it. it would be interesting if this was the same trailer park ramona had the a layer and where there was all mm-hmm. the mini metal liars yeah i think but- it's it's the same area but you know theoretically a different place this is in metahoy yeah, she checks her phone. She's got the address up for James Holbrook. Uh, Hannah's she's doing some sleuthing on her own. We get the classic POV shot. Somebody's watching her through some trees here. Mm-hmm. Uh, some dogs are barking. Like a cat like growls in the distance. Yeah, Hannah's, sure. Hannah's a little freaked out. And then her phone rings. It's her mom. And she's like, hi. Uh, on the ground, there's like some empty beer cans and empty shotgun shell casings. Yep. And now she says, hey, sweetie, what's going on? Or how's it going? And Hannah's like slowly walking into this mobile home area and she's like, it's this going is the, great. The Honeydew Trailer Park. Yeah. Uh, and Ashley says, I can't hear you. Where are you? And Hannah's like, uh, I'm at the library, which is a nice ad lib. Good mm-hmm. excuse for why you can't talk. And Ashley's like, nice. Is it impressive? And Hannah's like, uh, yeah. Uh, Mom, I really have to get off the phone soon, though. And Ashley's like, of course. I just want to make sure that you're on the alert. If you're if you're taking any parties, I just and meanwhile Hannah spots this like it's like a dead reindeer hanging from some like metal joist, and next to it there's some creepy old dude with like a bandana on. Let's get real. This is Duck Dynasty right here. Yeah, he's like he's got this huge ass knife and he's just like chopping up animal guts mm-hmm. on this like like workbench or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they're just like disgusting like red blood everywhere. Uh, and Hannah somehow like she's just like mom. I I have to go. Somehow yeah. she she masters her repulsion. She hangs up the phone here. Well, Ashley is just being like, hey, be careful at parties, and if you get a chance, don't bury any murder weapons on campus this time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She asks Duck Dynasty where the space two and one is, and he points onwards with his knife. Oh, he just ra- doesn't say a word. Just raises up the knife and points with his bloody ass knife that away. that way. <laughs> She's and it's like, thank you. The smell is terrible. It's like some dirty little kid rides his bike up to her. And she's just like, oh, hello. I'm looking for Mr. Holbrook. And he just like sc- screams behind himself. Papa! And then rides off. And Hannah's just like, oh, okay, what the fuck? Um, this, she keeps walking. This whole sequence reminded me of like the 
were hyena people who kidnapped and raped Jason Stackhouse and <laughs> True Blood. The Were Panthers. Yeah, the Were Panthers. Uh, Santa yeah. keeps on walking elsewhere. Uh, also in the woods. In some different woods. Yeah. yeah, somewhere behind Mona's house. Caleb and Spencer are moving around with their flashlights. And Spencer's like, this is crazy. This would be hard enough during the day. And he says they'll find it. And she says, but they can't see anything. And he's just like, Spencer, we have to find it. Yeah, so they search on. Back to the mobile home park. Uh, the door to an RV opens, and kind of a old but not too old, like kind of bald man walks out. This is uh, Papa Holbrook here, I assume. Mm-hmm. And he says, what can I do for you? And Hannah says, I'm looking for Detective Holbrook. And he says, I'm his father. Who are you? He's very soft-spoken. Um, when I first saw this guy, I just figured this was the dean from Community after a rough couple of decades. <laughs> yeah, he looks that, just like after that bar in the most nicely, uh, yeah, for two decades. Uh, so yeah, he's like, "Who are you?" And Hannah's like, "A friend of his. Is he around?" And Holbrook's dad's like, "I haven't seen him in weeks." Hannah's surprised by this. She thought that Holbrook was taking care of him, the dad. And Hannah asks if the dad knows where she could find him. And then old man Holbrook says. I figured if anyone knew where he was, it'd be you. And Hannah's like, what? Well, Hannah, I think, realizes, like, oh, you think I'm Mally. And he says, uh, yeah, I don't bail. And that's very interesting that he thinks that she's Allie. Like, how how much, like, he, he's aware of Allie in some way. Like, he knows about a blonde girl. You know, right. like, what does he know? Right. But, yeah, yeah, I don't bail. And Hannah's like, uh, no, college weekend. Same I'd thing. better get going. Yeah. So she walks off and Papa Holbrook here just frowns a little at her, like, but not angry, just like kind of concerned. Well, he's um, got to be super fucking confused. Mm-hmm. Like well, he's going to call up his son and be like, your you know, girlfriend or whatever stopped by. It's neat, weird. It's neat that Hannah didn't actually lie there. Like she's getting really good at not directly lying, mm-hmm. but just kind of like saying what she needs to say to maneuver a situation to her advantage well i love the comparison again between like hannah and allison like it's not just mona who tried to make them the same Mm -hmm. uh so out in the woods spencer and caleb keep searching searching in the dark searching 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 finally spencer spots it because of course she does she calls caleb over to it he uses a towel picks up the knife looks back well he actually uses a towel to pick it up he like pulls a towel out of his backpack uh we can see there's like some dried blood on the knife. It's a big, long knife. That's like 12 inches, slightly curved blade. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really expecting the cops or Toby to like bust them right now. Weren't you? Yeah. It's well, like uh, now that you're holding the knife in your hand, like, come on, where are the cops? Now that we are actually looking at the knife, I can say definitively, it's obviously a metaphor for their love. Yeah. Well, as Toby, he holds up the knife and he looks back and he has a slight grin. And like for an instant, he seems sinister. Like, I think that mm-hmm. there's something they're doing in this episode, I think, is intentional, where they're just very slightly just tossing out these little flashes of, uh, hey, is Caleb up to something? You know, like, like just the way he smiles as he's holding the knife there. I, I was like, all the like, like promo photos of this episode were just lots of shots of Caleb looking slightly inquisitively sinister. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> this episode is filled with a lot of like Spencer's like. This is going to be hard. And Caleb's like, listen, Spencer, we got to do this thing because it's important or whatever. And then she's like, oh, I've done it. Yeah. So we uh, go back to the RV place. Hannah's walking back to her car and uh, all her doors are open. Classic A move. All the doors of the car. Yeah. uh, She's walking over slowly, nervously. And we see that that stuffed animal dog that she got from the college, it's in her driver's seat. Mm -hmm. So she picks it up and there's like a black thread hanging off it. It's like it's coming right out of the stuffed animal's stomach. Uh, and so she kind of like 
pulls on this thread and rips this and it's like it's stitches that she's pulling out and suddenly like all these animal guts just like spew out of like the stuffed animal like that this animal's been stuffed with animal parts and like sewed up well we see the fast work by a there the creepy POV cam where it looks like someone's washing her. Yeah, all this like mm. fresh meat spills out right onto her open-toed shoes. Which, <laughs> yeah, she freaks out. She's remarkably in control. Like, doesn't just like kick her shoe off and run away. Right. Yeah. She then hears a noise behind her. She looks back. There's that creepy, dirty kid riding away on his bicycle, and Hannah yells, "Fucking white trash!" Yeah. And it's just like, "Fuck this place! Fuck Holbrook! Bad jeans!" You know what I'm saying? Well, like I would. I would wonder, like, maybe this isn't A. Maybe this is just how these, like, creepy sub-carny folk, like, trailer folk, do whatever they do for fun. But, I think uh, this is probably A. What I suspect is happening in this episode is that uh, they're leaving it ambiguous as to whether or not stuff in this episode is A, just so you can still wonder if maybe A is Allie. Well, I think A would be doing that to leave that ambiguity up to the girls, mostly. Yeah. You know, because they, they had that ambiguity. But, um... Uh, also, so obviously the battle weekend is a bust, but really, I think spe- uh, Hannah's clearly spending the weekend at the Institution of Higher Learning that she will be attending, which is detective school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, next morning, Emily's room. Emily's barely awake. Arya's already there waiting at the foot of her bed with a paper in hand, ready to make it all about Arya. Mm-hmm. Arya says, so what time did you get home? And Emily's like, about three hours ago. And Arya's So was like, Emily up to 5 a.m.? Oh, Yeah. And Ari's like, oh, sorry, you didn't tell me what I woke you up. And Emily's like, who said I went to sleep? And Emily checks her phone. She's like, she still hasn't written me back. And Ari's like, who? Emily says, Paige. And Ari says, who? Uh, She's like, when is the last time you? And Emily's just like, forget it. Let me read it. Forgotten. Yeah. Well, it's funny that Paige went to San Francisco, which is where Maya wanted to run away to. Mm Mm-hmm. It's where they all go. Aria holds up her paper, and it's like... Emily's like holding out her hand waiting for it, but Arya has to then look at it for a few more moments before she hands it over. Yeah. And then she makes Emily wait there. Uh, so Emily's going to read this letter that Arya's written. Uh, Arya turns away uh, as Emily reads and she's kind of stewing. She finally turns back around. Bated Emily's breath. frowning a little bit. Can we talk about Arya's outfit? Can we talk about her ginormous rings? Yeah, well, her outfit, it's like, it's like as though you had like a flannel shirt worn by like a giant. And then you just like made a dress out of it, I guess. I I feel like I have blankets on my couch that were like then turned into this dress. But it's it's buttons up the front like a shirt. Yeah. Like ugh. that's not a good look with like it's a black mind belt over it. As usual. Yeah, so Arya notices the frowning, so she's like, What? And Emily's like, This is your way of getting personal? And Ari's like, yeah, if I'm pitching myself to Jackie, why not lob one over the plate? Sports metaphors. Sports metaphors. And Emily's like, tell me you didn't send this. And Ari's like, why? It's right in her sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And Emily kind of reads aloud for us. I regret that I squandered my high school career getting involved with an older guy. I was robbed of all the rituals my classmates enjoyed. This secret relationship kept me in a fishbowl, separating me from my family, my friends, even myself. And Arya snatches that letter back. She's like, okay, I don't need a dramatic reading, Emily. I wrote it. What an amazing thing for Arya to have written. Because mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. no way on some level that you can write that without knowing that it's true. Yeah. Maybe not the whole truth, but a truth. Well, it's like we talked about how parts of season five were the progression of uh, like Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> Ezra like eroded away Arya's will to, to be away from him. Well, I think and... it's somewhere in, in Arya's subconscious. 
she had that just waiting to get out. And so she's found an outlet through this like letter that's like, oh, I don't really mean this. I'm just writing it this way for Jackie. I am sorry. Even though I do have all these thoughts. If there is ever a significant time jump, I will bet $100 to go to charity that Ari is writing a book or going to write a, have written a book about her relationship with Ezra. 100%. I believe that. My teacher boyfriend, the yeah. Aria Montgomery story. Um, so then Emily says, if Ezra saw this, he'd be so hurt. And, and I, I wrote, you fucking care, Emily. And I wrote, good. <laughs> <laughs> and Ari's like, no, he wouldn't. No, he, he, he would know exactly what I'm doing. And, and once I get accepted, I can just take back every word. You, you would, how do you just, just, casually denounce that uh, emily's like please tell me you didn't secret relationship this. kept me in a fishbowl even fascinating aria because it's like she knows at some level exactly what's happening hmm? and even she's telling herself oh this is what other people would think that's not true um uh, yeah oh, but aria <laughs> you can't just play into that perception yeah. and emily's uh, like please tell me you didn't send this and aria's like why do you keep saying that yes i sent it i emailed it last night it's done Emily is saved by her buzzing phone here. She checks it and she's like, oh, shoot, I got to go. And Ari's like, why? Emily says, because I have 200 empanadas to fill. And so she just gets out of bed. Ari just remains there staring at her letter. I like to think that Emily like just sets a five minute timer on her phone every time she has to talk to Aria. So she always has a way out of the conversation like, oh, I got to go because of reasons. If she doesn't, you know, Emily's excuses are just going to escalate like mm-hmm. progressively. Like I, after five years, she's just going to be like, oh, Aria, I have diarrhea, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so cut to the brew. Emily comes rushing in. She sees Ezra at the counter for a woman. Uh, this is Talia. Ezra's eating something. and gushing. can't trust a girl named Talia. Talia Ghoul. And he's just like, what is that spice? Well, he's like making these orgasmic noises. Like, this is so amazing. Oh, my gosh. What is that spice? Careful this like, talking Ezra. with his mouth open. Fear is the mind killer. Uh, Ezra sees Emily and like introduces. Well, Talia is like, I'm so glad you like this. Yeah, introduces this woman to Emily as Talia Sandoval Al Ghul, and Talia's nice and she extends her hand to Emily and says, "Hi, nice to meet you." And Emily's like, "Fuck your hand. What's going on here?" <laughs> and denied, bitch. No shake for you. Yeah, what's going on? And Ezra's like, "Oh, I asked Talia to help out tonight in the kitchen." And Emily's like, "I don't understand." And Ezra kind of like walks her away from Talia over to the side. And he says, uh, well, I would just prefer that you come tonight as a guest. What a fucking weasel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you'll make a great boss, Ezra. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, I, I don't want to be a guest. You hired me to. And Ezra's like, I know, I know. But I think we can both relax knowing there's a professional back there in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Let's just think of Talia like a savior. Oh. He keeps throwing that word professional around. And savior. Yeah. Did you even take Homac? <laughs> and Ezra says, "You know, I'm going to pay you for the work you did last night." And Emily's like, "Yeah, it's not just about that. Last night, I was hoping I could maybe become more than a barista." And Ezra says, "Okay, I didn't realize. Um, well, we can revisit that at a later day, which is like, talk. oh, what perfect management speak you've already perfected, Ezra. Talk about uh, paradigms. Yeah, maybe I'll reach out to you later, and uh, you know, we can sync up on that." Emily's like, right, I have work to do. And she just gives him this, like, eat shit smile and heads off to the kitchen. So for for the casual teenage Ezrians out there, <laughs> for anyone who's thinking to themselves, like, oh, I would totally go work at Ezra's coffee shop, just try to sit down and imagine, like, what is it like on the day when Ezra has to go over sexual harassment policies with you? 
That makes. I think they, he just plays the video. The very I no, I feel like Ezra writes like a flowery short story about it or something, and then mm-hmm. I like want to crawl out of my skin. Like I feel like Ezra is kind of like Ray Fiennes in Grand Budapest Hotel, where he probably reads a poetry to the staff every day before <laughs> yeah. they open. Well, so in the kitchen, I just noticed this. Those curtains lead to the kitchen. Okay. Somehow. Uh, Isn't which... it on the other... S- well, you know, I got very confused in this episode yeah. because, like, the back entrance and the front entrance are all spinned around to me now. It, that's what it feels like, yeah. Well, and, like, does that make sense? Like, you have to carry out the food through curtains all the time? That I seems... feel like... Well, especially, like, if you have a cake. Unless you're backing in. I mean, that's, you'd... that's a lot yeah. of elbow work, right? Not to, mm-hmm. like, you know, rub frosting over your red curtain, whatever. In the kitchen, Emily walks in, right as like Talia's like sniffing the filling their empanadas, and Talia like shudders. Yeah, she's like, Oh, what is this? And Emily's like, It's filling for empanadas. And she yanks the dish out of her hands. She's like, Excuse me. And Emily's like very kind of like in a huff, like getting some dough out of the fridge. Talia is just like very like daintily unpacking her like fancy chef's gear right now. Yeah, like her professional caterer luggage. Yeah, and Emily's like tossing some flour on a roller. She's going right to work on this dough, and well, she, yeah, she pulls the dough out of the big industrial fridge. Yeah. yeah, Tally's like, you know, if that dough's been in the fridge all night, you may want to. And Emily's like, if I wanted advice, I'd ask my mother. We go way back. <laughs> Ooh, burn, Emily. You're not exactly selling yourself as a pro here. Yeah, uh, and then her like her roller slips as she's rolling, and she like lunges half across the table, very smooth. It's like you know, to like jerk her hands back. Emily, if you need some cash, you should just go talk to Toby and get some of his contractor work. I mean, he's like a millionaire now. Right, right. Uh, well, so me- I'm sure Spencer could peel a few bills off. I feel like even Kayla probably has some money. Emily gives her this little half smile that just says, I am so crazy right now. <laughs> um, but I feel like, just ponder this, though. For like a lot of people who, who on Twitter are like, you know, Paley will live on, Paige will be back, blah, blah, blah. Um, I feel like there's another show out there where like Talia's the main character. And Emily's just been introduced onto that show, and she's basically season one page. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, meanwhile, the Hastings house. Caleb knocks on the door. Spencer lets him in. And she's like, Caleb, what are you doing here? What happened? And Caleb's just like, I couldn't do it. And she's like, what do you mean he couldn't do it? Like, Spencer does not suffer performance anxiety. <laughs> yeah. She's like, go fucking home, Toby. Spencer, it happens to all guys, right? I saw that on TV and Caleb says, I felt like I was being followed. I drove to the lake and when I got there, I I just couldn't do it. What a terrible way to dispose of this weapon, throw it in the lake. Uh, And Spencer says, okay, fine, I'll do it then. Caleb's just like, wait, don't you get it? As long as this knife exists, A is going to find a way to get it back. And Spencer says, then we make it not exist. Spencer's about to violate physics. Take that, Antoine Lavoisier. (laughs) cut to the school it's clearly fall outside there's all these dead leaves on the ground yeah it's it's this weird kind of like desolate feeling as these leaves blow past there's like two that's why i'm saying they're just not on a julian calendar yeah yeah well because they're obviously like in the tangent universe from donnie darko too it's like Um, the earth spins backwards or something which would explain a lot frankly Mm -hmm. yeah this is like saturday saturday rosewood high in the pottery room which we saw earlier in this episode turns out the pottery room has an industrial strength kiln in it yeah, yeah, this is a serious shit going on here. Which is basically like a ginormous murder oven <laughs> that you can walk into and has shelving. Uh, they're standing outside this thing, contemplating it. And Caleb's like, "Do we even know how to turn this kiln on?" So it's on her phone, and she's I, just like, the, "Hang on." The I'm door forward. to this kiln is like nine feet tall and like six feet wide. It's huge. The kiln itself is almost as big and high tech as like the kitchen at the fucking brew. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, hang on, I'm looking it up. Caleb she's goes over on her phone, Googling like a pro how to work a kiln. He goes over to the panel and it's like, it says, it's gotta be one of these switches, right? It starts like flipping some buttons. So Spencer. Well, and these are like, perfectly- these like industrial size switches on this huge ass control box that are like every switch is like ka-chunk, ka-chunk. <laughs> but perfectly though, Spencer goes over to the panel on the other side of the door where there's a giant red button and she's like, maybe this one and flips it. And of course it works because I love it. She just effortlessly shows him yeah. up. Like well, and there's like these like presence makes her better. At something there's these that he is. powering on noises, just like you know, it's yeah. like this thing's coming to life. Uh, she opens the door and steps in. Caleb hits another switch, and it's like things are powering up now. Uh, and Caleb says, "I don't know if I got it working." And, and Spencer's like, "I don't know. Let's just try it. Good plan." Well, this is where I really despise Caleb for just a half second. Is he goes to his bag, pulls the knife out without the towel now. Well, they're going to burn it. But still, in this world, <laughs> yeah, I would not. So as he's going over to his bag, Spencer hears a noise in the distance, like a door opening and closing. So she just walks off to investigate. As uh, and then Caleb walks back into the kiln now. Uh, and he walks all the way to the far end to get like 10 feet into the kiln and sets the knife down on like a metal tray where some other pottery is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, Let's talk about how you would dispose of this knife. What are your thoughts? Like, if you had to get rid of this knife, how would you do it? Well, if I was Spencer and I had the resources of a Hastings, what I would do is probably mash up a supernova inside of a black hole. Um, but realistically, how would you dispose of this knife? Oh, gosh, I don't know. You have a, You have a murder weapon. You need to get rid of it. How do you do it? I would probably put some industrial cleaning stuff all over the knife. Because I feel like the thing like you what, really bleach? need to work. Yeah, but something better. Whatever they use in like cleaners for like the mafia. Like nitric acid? Yeah, okay. I Googled it. That stuff's hard to make and it would take a long time to dissolve. Okay, so stuff that like Walter White would send like Jesse fucking Pinkman out to go buy, like Spencer can't accomplish. I did a lot of research on this. Spencer's idea here of using the kiln is actually probably the best idea. This kiln, because it's industrial strength, can probably get up to 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit, which is the melting point of steel. So it would be able to completely annihilate this knife. Hmm. Of course, I don't know about this metal cart that they're putting it on. They're just going to melt that thing, too. Well, like the whole, isn't all that shelving metal in there? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends. Some of this may be, it may be treated to have like, a, you know, the special kind of metal, higher uh, melting point. The only thing better would have been if Spencer suggested that they go to the previously unspoken of like Rosewood nuclear power plant. Yeah. Well, I just throw it in something. At first I was thinking like, oh, I just get like a blowtorch and melt that thing. But blowtorches don't get hot enough. Like hmm. this, this probably is the easiest way to get melting point of steel. Like making your own like homemade kiln like to to smelt that thing would be like too much but i I guess my question is do you need to go that far do you need to melt the steel can't you just get rid of the forensic evidence upon the knife both blade and the handle and you could but i feel like like as paranoid as you are and like just expecting the cops or a to like fuck you over at any moment don't you just want to like just expunge this thing from existence as much as you can just make it like a little pool of metal and ash it's a nice metaphor I would just worry that you'd fuck up somehow, you know, like that you you scrub that thing hard. But like, yeah, it turns out there's still some DNA on it. Like if later on Spencer could like 
like take a little pouch and pour the powder that was the knife into her hand and like blow it in somebody's face. Yeah. That'd be amazing. So yeah, cut to I mean that door is just dying to close on Caleb. But uh <laughs> Caleb's obviously never seen PLL before. The school hallway, like sometimes like walking around, checking out that sound. It sounds like doors opening, keys rattling. Footsteps just, in the distance, somebody yeah, walking. I just, uh, anyone remember when Emily got trapped in the school that one night? Not normal <laughs> bitch and Wayne Fields almost died from that heart attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the kiln, the door shuts. <laughs> yeah, of course it shuts while Caleb's still inside. And then all the lights go out and he rushes over to the door. He's pounding on it, looking out the window. Hey, Spencer, uh, there's no one in the art room to hear him. This is, yeah, this is the origin of the Flash right here. This is how Caleb became the Flash. Mm-hmm. Then the uh, the kiln, like, like it turns on. And you can see it's starting to heat up. It's like all red inside. Uh, looks like roast Caleb is on the menu. Mm-hmm. He's freaking out, looking around like for, I don't know, something to help him inside. There's nothing there. Oh, no, it's Caleb. So, cut to Talmadge College. Wherever that is. Aria's exiting the cafeteria. Did you know that Talmadge comes from an old French word for backpack? Okay. So, it's, it literally means backpack. Aria has like the campus map brochure in her hands, but up ahead, we actually see Jackie Molina talking to some bro, walking towards him. So he's talking about how walking with bad. a colleague. Do you think she's doing this guy? This guy? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, hope not. Yeah, he's pretty tweety. Yeah. So she's talking to this guy, and Ari just runs right up in the middle of the conversation, <laughs> and she's like, "Hi, Jackie. Um, it's Ari Montgomery. Do you remember me?" It's like, "Oh yeah. Do you remember the time I tried to blackmail you, but then you blackmailed me even harder? You plagiarist." Yeah. And Jackie just turns her professor bro here, and she's like, "I'll see you later, Jeff." So he takes off. Uh, Jackie, like, she has these, like, I don't know if these are fake glasses or something, but she has to take her glasses off to talk to Arya here. She has, like, non-prescription hipster glasses on that she takes off. Yeah. Uh, real quick, too, I'm super proud. I always love, love whenever we can interact with people. Paloma Guzman, who plays Jackie Molina, like, uh, favorited our tweet where we said we wonder how Jackie like Molina fits back into the show. I uh, just glanced over at her page on the wiki real quick it's a picture from this episode from this scene it has like the greatest bitch face <laughs> as she's looking clearly looking at Ari as her profile picture or whatever yeah uh, so uh yeah this guy takes off and Ari's like sorry i didn't mean to interrupt your and jackie's like what are you doing here don't you live in pennsylvania <laughs> and Ari's like yeah it's a long story I applied here, and then I was waitlisted, and then last night I emailed a letter to the admissions board that I would really like to delete, if possible. So her delivery is fascinating, because Lucy Hale has really taken on Ian Harding's like bizarre vocal Pauses. inflections, yeah. and then combined them with the absolute utter Tibetan mastery of Keegan Allen's hand acting. <laughs> uh, so Jackie Lee's face is just like, oh, really? She asks why Ari wants to delete it, and Ari's like, Jackie, it's complicated. I don't want to get into any of the details. And Jackie's like, well, you sure did in your letter. Boom! Ari, ah. seriously, you cannot trust this bitch. She was just waiting. She's lying in wait to spring that on you. And Jackie's like, is that why you rushed up here? You're worried I'm going to share the contents with Ezra? Ari and Ari, big panic face, and, and Jackie's just like, don't. Your secret's safe with me. If I never spoke to him again, it would be way too soon. And Ari's like, uh, thank you. And Jackie says, after I read your letter, I thought about all the time I wasted believing he was somebody he wasn't. I I wish they'd invent a pacemaker that zapped your heart every moment you started falling for Mr. Wrong. Would save a lot of us girls from making a huge mistake. Not just us. Well, Jackie has this great conspiratorial, like, ghost sisterhood look on her face. Uh And Ari just looks like she's pooped herself and is like 
like doesn't know what to do. Oh, and it has to force a smile. That was that was just delicious there. It's like Arya, are you picking up on all the vibes Jackie's yeah. throwing at you that are like, hey Arya, this guy is not the guy you think he is. Right, right. And well, you and know that, right? Because that's why you wrote that. <laughs> you you know it from intense personal experience. Um, mm-hmm. So good back to Rose at High. Spencer gets to the end of the hallway, finds a window open, and like the blinds are like blowing in the wind. So she like lifts the blinds, shuts the window, and She's then she a pauses. Relieved now. So she pauses, like I sure am getting paranoid in my old age here. Which this is not the sound that you've been hearing. Yeah. But anyways, meanwhile in the kiln. Caleb is practically falling to his feet while sweating away. Yeah, he looks he's, like he's, he's getting out of breath. Any minute now. Getting hot in there. It's all steamy. Like sweating. he looks like his face is about to do the thing from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sure. Uh, Spencer comes back into the art room. She's like, Caleb? Uh, Caleb's baking in the kiln. Spencer looks in. Eventually she sees him on the ground. She's like, Caleb, oh my God. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, she's trying the door. It won't open. So she shuts off the kiln. Now she can get the door open. And she's like, mm-hmm. Caleb, oh my God, oh my God, what happened? She kind of helps pull him out and he stumbles into the art room. She's like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Kiln door closes behind her again, and she like spins surprised, but there's like no one there. And she's like, Did the door shut by accident? And Caleb's just like, I don't know. Because he can barely talk. Yeah. And then uh, Spencer's like, Well, where's the knife? Is it in there? And he nods, panting. And Spencer turns the kiln back on, like jacks it all the way up, and then just goes to the window to watch. And burn, baby, burn. She's looking back at Caleb, and Caleb, like, she's freaked. And Caleb, like, does this, like, kind of badass eyebrow raise at her. Uh, and and then again, it's like there's just ever just fleeting sinister vibe that Caleb shoots off here. You know, he looks like he's trying to like catch his breath while also trying to avoid going into the light. I mean, he sweats so much in those few moments. Just imagine what Caleb smells like right now. But how great would it have been if like Caleb had actually perished in there? Like Spencer comes running back. And <laughs> Sorry, like, Hannah, I cooked your boyfriend. Or he looks like one of those figures like left over like from Pompeii. You know, yeah. <laughs> lol. Oh no, Caleb's been cooked. But he has just this kind of snarly look on his face. Yeah. Which well, I guess I, I guess after you almost get baked and you're like, thanks a lot for watching out, Spencer. To be realistic, he would have probably like doubled over and vomited right then too. But <laughs> after the commercial, we cut to Allison in jail. A uh, guard escorts a visitor to her cell, Allison surprised. The guard like opens the barred cell door and it's Hannah. She comes in like wearing her visitor badge, and Allison's just like surprise, surprise. And nice symmetry again between Allison and Hannah because you know, there's Allison and Mona. There's also like Hannah and Mona, and Hannah's like, "Who do you think it was?" Hold so, uh, do do you want to do the dialogue here? You have it all. I just sent it to you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you want Hannah or Allie? Up to you. Uh, I guess I can be Allie. She's got a lot. Okay. So you're Hannah. Who do you think it was, Holbrook? Look, Allison, this isn't a visit. I came here to tell you one thing. Give up. I still know you, at least some of you. I know that at every turn you've chosen a fight, but just this once, don't. I already have given up. That's where I'm, why I'm here. I could have thrown you all under the bus, but I didn't. I kept my mouth shut. But do I get a thanks for that? What are we supposed to thank you for? Framing Spencer? Putting a knife in Mona's? What knife? Look, if, if I, as clever as I am... Or if, I, if I'm as clever as everyone thinks I am, wouldn't I have given myself a better alibi than my brother? <laughs> you want to know where I was those missing hours on Thanksgiving? I was waiting for Cyrus. I got a message from him asking to meet. He sounded freaked out, and I was worried that he was going to expose our deal, so I went. I waited for hours for him, and he never showed. 
It was only when I heard that Mona was missing that I realized that this was just a trap set by A. I would have never been able to explain that to the police. I couldn't even tell my own father, but he lied for me anyway. Hannah, if I was A, why would I let this happen to me? I don't know, but I do know that if you are A, you're counting on that last little shred of me that gives a damn about what happens to you, and you shouldn't. Hannah, out. What a great little scene. It's like a quick little scene where they both say their piece. But I feel like Hannah is like, she's saying don't count on it, but she's not necessarily saying that little shred doesn't exist. Well, she wouldn't have shown up. Mm Mm-hmm. But so, like, the guard shows up, opens the door, lets Hannah out of the hallway. We see that this conversation is clearly taking a toll on her. And Hannah leaves as we watch Allison's reaction. The prison guard just eavesdropped on one hell of a conversation. <laughs> yeah. But this, this scene is fascinating to me because it's really a contest of these two actresses and thus also these two podcasters really trying to, like, out-emphasize words over each other. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, that, so that that's an interesting explanation for Mally. She got supposedly tricked by A into thinking she needed to go meet Cyrus, mm-hmm. which conveniently kept her isolated and without an alibi for several hours. And it, it checks out to like mm-hmm. what we've known from season five. It so, sounds like something A would do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, at the brew, it's night. It's Ezra's swanky fucking it's party. The Pedo Brew grand opening. This is the kind of place that I fully expect will close within two months. Yeah. Um, There's all these like boring old people here. Yeah, this literally like Java salon, just Jesus Christ. Ezra's doing that whole like blazer over t shirt thing. Mm-hmm. S- Spencer enters. She's dressed. She in the swoops kind of, in. She's dressed in the kind of dress that I would expect a steampunk adventurous heiress, you know, wears as like evening wear. Well, uh, it's like as she walks in, she kind of just like takes off her black trench coat as she goes and it's like, woo, look at this sexy neckline I've got underneath here. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this like, I mean, is that a belt? Like, how. How large is, or how thick does a belt have to be before it just becomes like a corset? Because that thing's huge. This like right. leather thing she has around her waist. It might also be like the kind of saddle you throw on a horse too. I mean, it's <laughs> huge. She's also wearing that necklace we've talked about before. Um, Emily comes up to Spencer. She's holding a tray of food. This is really the scene we should have been doing. Spencer's right. on her phone, and she's just like, "Hey, Em, have you seen Toby?" No, take an empanada. Oh no, thanks. What do you mean, no thanks? I made these. Eat one. Uh, I just walked in. And you're starving. Eat it. Uh, so, like, like Spencer's, like, like looking at her, like, when did you become Arya? She reluctantly takes this, like, misshapen this like empanada. a gnarly-looking empanada. Wasn't Caleb coming with you? He bailed. He just wasn't up to it. Em, there's a hair on this. Just eat around it, okay? Well, she's about, like, there's, So like, many jokes. Five different crazy emotions splayed over Emily's face in a moment span. And she looks over like this even crazy. It gets even crazier. She sees Talia. So Spencer kind of looks back, sees Talia. You know, people are swarming around her to get the food off her tray. Yeah, everybody like, wants Talia's orders. Yeah, they're 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 swarming on this woman like in any other show, a girl like in a bikini, you know, walks into the room. And Spencer's like, who is that? I don't want to talk about it. And Emily just takes off before Spencer can put that empanada back. Uh, and then the Johnny boy walks up here and he's just like, Melissa, are you Melissa Hastings? For uh, some reason, I really wanted Spencer to say yes, yeah. just, to, just to see where it goes. Yeah, they should do a whole episode of that where she has mm-hmm. to role play being Melissa. But she's like, uh, no, that's my sister. I like how she just like tosses that empanada on like a random table nearby. <laughs> I really want her to like, throw, it, throw it into a plant. Well, she basically does. Um, she just but- like tosses it on a table off screen. Yeah, so she she asks him, like, you know, why that's a relief that she's not Melissa. 
And I don't have all the dialogue for this, but he says that he's Yeah, well, he says, uh, because I'm not looking for a roommate, your mom told my mom that I could rent your guest house. Spencer's like, wait, when did this happen? Are her mom's friends? And he says, kind of. Your mom sued my granny's nursing home for my mom. So, like, wait, Veronica's like a criminal defense attorney, but she also does tort law? Like, what is your job, Veronica? I I don't I feel like I, something that I've seen as, at least in like TV shows. I mean, like you know that she Veronica just do that on the side. You know, Veronica walks in and fucks some shit up with some tort law. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just like, and have you tried these crabbies yet? They're awesome. They're like the new party drug. And she's like, thanks for the tip, dickhead. She's like, I prefer the old party drug. You know, cocaine. Yeah, I, I prefer my pills. Yeah, and he says, I'm Johnny Raymond. You're and he like reaches out so she shakes his hand but she's clearly like distracted not really paying attention to him she's like spencer hastings the sister who hasn't checked out yet and he's like i'm psyched about the space and spencer's like i don't think you really should be you don't want to live in our backyard he's like why and she says because someone who's buried in it will you excuse me and she just like stomps off it's this bro's just like uh what (laughs) later jerk it's rosewood man bitches get buried uh so in the kitchen like uh Aria come or sorry Talia like my my auto yeah. on my laptop kept changing Talia to Aaliyah. Yeah, it it kept changing on me too. It's driving me nuts. Yeah, Talia comes in. So as, I keep wanting to say Aria, which is just all kinds of confusing. Emily's like dumping her sad ass empanadas uh, as Talia walks in, and Talia's like, "Oh, don't do that. Hey, they can be saved." And please, it's just like, "Okay, you know what? I'm not looking for a savior." <laughs> and Talia says, "Emily." If I told you how many times I bombed before I perfected even one signature dish, and Emily's like, yeah, well, I didn't take this to flaunt my brand, okay? Says the actress of a lifestyle brand. <laughs> yeah. I needed the cash to save a relationship. Which oh, no, actually... you, you, no, no, no. I needed the cash to save a relationship. Go on. <laughs> which actually doesn't make sense because that relationship doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I, hate, I hate to say it, Emily, but you're kind of unprofessional right now. And now I'm stuck here making plans to go and see someone who's moved across the country and start a new life and couldn't find a second to return any of my stupid emails. Okay. Well, this is, I mean, nice work by Shay Mitchell here. Emily's totally falling apart. She's starting to cry. Like it's, this is what it's really about. It's not so much like the job is just, you know, the vehicle to get money to go across country. But the reason she really wants to go across country is because Paige is like seemingly just like cut her off. Yeah, yeah. Not talking to her at all. And maybe, you know, like, I know some people are like, oh, that's A. And it's like, yeah, maybe. Or maybe Paige is just, like, starting clean. You know? Like like a Band-Aid. Right off. Yeah, Paige is employing the rift. Uh, Also, we got the hashtag about Arya's breakdown. Where's the Emily's breakdown hashtag? But uh, Emily's about to throw away the last of her empanadas. And Talia stops her. She takes a few of the empanadas, puts them on different trays of rubbage. Well, she, she says, uh, so the first rule of kitchen that I've ever worked in, first rule of every kitchen I've ever worked in, uh, is a hard and fast rule. Just about any tapas can be rescued with either some slivered almonds or the right sauce. Mm-hmm. And literally all Talia does here is she, like, takes these tapas, puts them on a plate with, like, some leaves, and then puts some green sauce in a dipping cup. And it's like, ta-da, look at my master chef work. But it does look so much better. Yeah. She holds a plate out to Emily, and Emily kind of forces an insincere smile of thanks, and Talia's like, oh, come on, just try it. Look, if you hate it, you can spit it in my face. And I, I Or, you know, do anything else you want with my face. Like, sit on it. <laughs> I seriously wrote, do it, just because she's giving you license to spit food in her <laughs> face. Yeah, so Emily tries one, and no surprise, it's not that terrible with, like, her, like, green sauce that she put in it. 
I really wanted her to like, because she kind of like smiles and has to begrudgingly acknowledge it's good. They should have done it because Shay Mitchell is so incredibly flawlessly gorgeous. They should have done it with her having like, like sauce in the corner of her mouth and like crumbs all over <laughs> her face. <laughs> but uh, so they cut to the Marin house. Bump and grindy, folks. Doorbell rings. Ashley opens it. It's Jason. He didn't expect her to be home, but he's just going to, like, leave these papers. Well, because he's a man in Rosewood, he walks right in as soon as she opens the door. He just walks right into the foyer. As got, you do. He's got, like, an envelope with some shit, and Ashley's like, oh, were you at the office today? And he's like, yeah, I figured out I could use, I figured I could use a Saturday to catch up. Some of the paperwork didn't make sense. We have a tenant whose lease expired three years ago. And Ashley's like, oh, I'm happy to take a look at it and see if I can sort it out. And they both kind of laugh. And he's like, great. And Ashley's like, do you want me to drop it off at your house tomorrow? Or And he cuts her off. He's like, staying at the Edgewood. It's at the Edgewood Mortarcourt. That's no Bradbury. And no. Ashley's like, oh. And Jason's like, my father made it clear I'm not welcome in my own house since my sister left. You have no hope. Or he's like, since my sister left. And Ashley's like, why? And he says, probably because I'm the one who got her arrested. And for some reason, Ashley feels bad for this, like, spacey tool. And she's like, oh, have you eaten? And it's like, oh, shit, cougar on the prowl. Mm-hmm. So uh, back to the uh, the Pettibrew party. There's this, like, really cheesy, kind of, like, swanky 40s music playing. No, I- this is this is, like, salsa music. Like, I think it, it, this is diegetic, right? I think this is supposed to be like playing in the party. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I know you asked me this last night. I think mm-hmm. so. This place is like really geared towards that sweet, so- sweet spot between suspended academia hipsters and like an urban outfitters. Well, and everybody in here is like late 20s at least. Except for Arya, who like stomps in. Or drastically older. Yeah. Um. So Arya shows up in her like zebra cheeto print dress uh she checks her phone she just got an email from jackie molina the email says update you're in girl welcome to tomich aria's email address is aria underscore montgomery at your mail 005.com which is very like unglamorous yeah uh also her dress i mean not there's anything wrong with it but i feel like she's not even trying for this stupid grand opening no no, uh, this so is not. This is like like. like remember when Arya went to that fucking like museum, uh-huh. like art museum thing to meet Ezra's mom? She doesn't this, care about looking sophisticated for these bros. Well, so yeah. Ezra walks right up here, kisses her on the cheek. All these people are just cool with his high school girlfriend. Naturally, they're just like, yeah, whatever. You have this yeah. coffee and and books. This is a yeah. place I'll come to and spend money. Uh, yeah. And Ezra's like, oh, I've been looking for you. There's somebody I really want you to meet. And he leads her over to this, like, kind of tweety professor guy. And he's like, uh, Bob, so sorry, uh, Bob, this is the young lady I was telling you about, Arya. Young this, lady. This is Bob Milsom, who teaches at Vassar. I thought that one gifted writer would appreciate another. Oh, so many LOLs. And Arya just kind of shakes this guy's hand, and she's, like, shrugging uncomfortably. And Ezra's just like, oh, it's cool. Bob's fucking one of his TAs, too. So... Ezra is such a smarmy fuck. Like, it's really time for him to open this thing. Like wear like the the faux turtlenecks and grow his big lumber sexual beard, and just on top of it, I would hate to work at this place because I feel like you like Ezra's your boss. He's paying the bills. Mm-hmm. Arya, his underage girlfriend, is clearly going to be like the Amelda Marcos of this coffee shop. Well, and Ezra just he seems so sleazy in that blazer and t-shirt combo. Like, mm-hmm. man, you're just gross now, Ezra. He's dressed like a concert promoter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Meanwhile, Toby shows up at the party. He's in his off-duty clothes. Spencer and he see each other. He gestures for her to come outside like... He just kind of nods, yeah. Spencer, I am not fucking around. So she heads out that way. She heads outside the brew. Tommy storms out. He's pissed. Well, he's like rushing away. She has to like run to catch up with him. She's like, Toby, wait, Toby. And he waits for her to catch up and then he just unloads he's like well, you looked me in the eye and then you deliberately went behind my back this is, this is the kind of couples fight that you can only have in the middle of the street <laughs> screaming at each other uh and spencer says so did you how else would you have known that knife was gone you went back to you and toby says because i wanted to do the right thing and spencer says if you thought that then you would have picked it up the first time boom lawyered yeah and she says, you know, you keep talking about the right thing as if we have no idea what it is. But in this case, we need to protect ourselves. And that meant getting rid of it, okay? And Toby's just like, Spencer. And she's like, so it's done. It's destroyed. Spencer, I can't. Caleb and I, we got it. And he just grabs her arm. And he's like, I can't. Listen to this, you know. Don't you understand? You're making it worse. There are things that I can't know about. Things that you can't say out loud. So they're screaming at each other. Mm. Uh, like, let's go over arm. He's a little rough here. Uh, Spencer is like she can't even look at him in the eye for a sec. She's like, "You told me once that I could tell you anything." She got that one tear, one tear. Yeah. Then she she looks up, the one tear in her eyes, you know, looking right at Toby. And Toby's like, he's speechless. He doesn't know what to say. And he's like, "I got to go." And he he and turns he his takes back off on all this life, love, and beauty. Walks away, and Spencer watches this Ooh, son Toby. of a bitch walk away. Which both of them. What the fuck did you think this was going to mean for your relationship <laughs> when he became <laughs> Deli Do Right? Spencer's just watching him leave, like crying. It's like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so we go back to the Marin house. Uh, Jason and Ashley are having some dinner in the kitchen, looking over some papers. Uh, note the wine bottle near Ashley's orbit there. Mm-hmm. Ashley's like, maybe Jessica had a verbal agreement with these tenants. And Jason says, probably. People thought my mom was a hard ass, but truth is, she used to cry at dog food commercials. <laughs> God, that's lame. And Ashley says, me too. I don't even have a dog. To be fair, both of these women are probably functional alcoholics. Yeah. And Jason's like, oh, you should. If you're going to live in this big house all by yourself, the old pack. (laughs) (laughs) And Ashley's like, "Mm, don't remind me. The day Hannah moves out, I'm just not as fond of my own company as I used to be. Nice how she doesn't mention Pastor Ted at all. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jason's like, why is that? And Ashley says, I don't know. So much has happened in the last few years. I think I'm scared of the white noise in my head. Jason can relate, of course, because he's high all the time. He stares at her like the eye contact you make with the guy who's been your peeping Tom for years. Mm -hmm. Um, So she says that she she asks if she can get anything else to drink. And she says, I have decaf. (laughs) And he's like, well, oh, fine. it's like he may be sober, but that hasn't stopped Ashley from drinking. Yeah, yeah. And so she's like, I'm going to take your plate. And she leans in and Jason goes for that sweet milf action. Yeah, he just moves right over and kisses her. She's trying to get the plate. Oh, shit. And Ashley kind of gasps and pulls away. And Jason's like, I'm sorry. Consider that a thank you for dinner. And Ashley kind of smiles a little nervously. And she's like, that's all right. I don't mind being thanked. Oh shit! It's cougar time now. They're they're making out. Um, mm-hmm. There's like some kind of creepy new tones on the soundtrack. I don't think we've heard these before. It doesn't sound like the normal soundtrack tones. Kind of like it's ambient and weird. Like soundtrack bar from like Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Jason and Ashley. What do you think? Oh, uh, 
The this uh, paperback cover for this romance novel is just called A Moment of Weakness. <laughs> well, I feel like Jason through this whole episode has been a complete dick to Ashley. Yeah. And yet still all, all I can say is that, like, Ashley Marin, you've been dating fucking Pastor Ted for who knows how long. You needed this. It, there's been a draught, literally, if you know what I mean. Like, she, she will take anyone now. Mm-hmm. In your fucking face, Pastor Ted. I mean, I In guess. In your fucking face. I hope this means the end of Pastor Ted. I hate that guy so much. He's back next episode. He Jason's not, like, it's not like he's this like, ugly dude. He's just the most vacant-looking dude. <laughs> Of all time, which maybe Ashley is what Ashley it. needs right now. Um, she she know, needs something. Well, you know, like, Ted's not... Ted's not, let's just put it that way. Yeah, there's no there's no beast of two backs happening there. That's not Ted's bag. Because um, he's spending all his time at the uh, the building with the little well, T on top. J- Jason's what? Maybe 25, 24? Ashley's late 30s, early 40s? He's, he's no longer a girl, not yet a woman. Mm-hmm. Get it, Marin. Uh, back to the pedal brew. It's later. Crowds thinning it's, it's, out. You know, it's it's gross. Yes, it's. Not, I wouldn't say it's gross. It's not. It's it's weird. It's but it's not like it's Ezria. Gross. No, no, it, it's not like These that. These are consenting I, adults. I feel like Ashley he just happens to be her boss, and maybe like completely. Jason blank. has like the personality of a wet rag, but uh, yeah, he probably at least has some abs. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ashley needs this. Which, you know, like, Toby got a good look at. With the you time date Pastor Ted Earth long together. enough, you start making out with Jason De Laurentiis. That's just how it happens. I, I'm going to guess, as far as, like, the young men in Rosewood go, Jason is probably, like, the hottest cipher you can get. Um, so at the brew, the party has pretty much died down. Ari is, like, like setting some stuff down, and Emily comes up to her. And Emily, you know, asks her, why was she late? Did she make it to Talmadge? And Arya's silence indicates that the answer is yes. And Emily's like you able to stop and Arya's like no jackie read it and emily's just like oh no is she gonna forward it to ezra which would be a good thing and Arya's like no it's our secret Arya don't says, count on that Arya. have you learned anything yeah yeah it's like it's like Arya's never watched the show before either <laughs> Arya says it worked though and she shows emily the email on her phone emily sees it and asks what is Arya gonna tell ezra and Arya says tonight nothing i i can't and then she walks away it's like Arya. You tried to blackmail Jackie Molina, and she was just like, bitch, I called your bluff. Like, this is who you're dealing with. You really think she's going to keep it a secret? Right, right. And then Emily, like, I wanted Emily to turn to the audience and be like, thank God. Arya's gone back to being the craziest one. Yeah. And then Emily starts like, pick up some things. Also, we see Ezra's talking to Talia, and he's like, so thanks to you, I'm royally screwed. And she has this look on her face like, is this going to be like the cheesiest way I've ever been hit on? And she's like, I'm scared to ask, but why? And he's like, everyone's raving about your food. Seriously, what am I going to do when I open this place up? And well, like, would you would you sell her food at this coffee shop slash bookshop? Like, are you going to be selling like hors d'oeuvres or something? Well, like, if you're going to buy this location, aren't you going to make it a coffee shop still? Yeah, I get you're adding the whole like asshole bookstore. I feel it. like your margin is in the coffee. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you're trying to combine these two spaces to make more money. That's the, the whole books are just there for ambiance. That's the whole reason people put coffee shops and bookstores now to mm-hmm. save these two things. But like, if you're not going to do the coffee shop, why buy real estate that comes for fully functional well, like, kitchen? I think he's doing the coffee shop part of it. I just don't see where the food comes in. I mean, I guess you could make like some pastries or something. Well, but I mean, like. Thinking back to the things that we've actually seen the liars eat at the brew before, like you know, mm. there's a there's a fryer, 
yeah. know, back there. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, Emily's like listening to all this, and uh, Talia's like, "Well, you know where to find me." And she walks off. And Ezra walks over to Emily because he sees her, and he's trying to make nice of hey, her. Hey, Emily, I don't want you to feel resentful or unappreciated. And Emily's like, hire her. And Hester's like, what? And Emily's like, I'll get over it. Besides, she can't touch what I can do with a cappuccino. Which is P.S. Not like I it. barely work here anyway. Uh, it's like, it's not like you're going to show up to work in anyway, Emily. Like, what, what are you so mad about? Well, like, did everyone else who used to work for the brew get a pink slip? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I showed up to work. I literally kept this place running under the... the steerage of like one pedophile now the place is bought out by another pedophile who tells me i'm not good enough perhaps it was not bought out but just handed down through like the the pedo network hmm. Hmm. yeah so uh anyway Arya's picking up some trash from some tables and shelves and she sees there's a big thick guide to liberal arts colleges she's picking up that trash from around the typewriter area yeah, right next to that guide to liberal arts colleges, there's a book called Double Fudge Brownie Murder, which sounds which, amazing. Which sounds both delicious and intriguing. There's a lot of like that, uh, uh, these books now that are like, like, there's also recipes with the mysteries. Mm-hmm. Well, or I have, I have how to few, like organize your closet with the a mysteries. F- a few comments here. Number one, that is a much better chocolate ice cream flavor than plain chocolate. Double Fudge Brownie Murder. Uh, <laughs> number two, this book is written by Joanna Fluke who we've seen books from her in the past, not just in this episode, all the way back in S2E24 when they're walking in Brookhaven. Mm-hmm. One of her books, Lake Eden Cookbook, is like being displayed as they walk by. Somebody on this writing staff is a huge fan of Joanna Fluke. Uh, these books are like, they're like murder mysteries where like the heroine is like a, a pastry chef. Mm. Um, like uh, in, in Double Fudge Brownie Murder, like, She's going to be on trial for some murder she didn't commit, but then the judge is bludgeoned to death with his own gavel. Mm. And the heroine, Hannah, uh, no, is the number one suspect. Her. Yeah. Uh, just imagine Hannah as like a, a pastry chef solving murders. I'm all over that. I feel like Hannah would be all over these books. Anyway. By the way, Talmadge has a, like, there's student bodies, 12,000. That's huge. Hmm. Uh, so Arya picks up this college guide here. Uh, and she finds a bookmark in it, marking the page for Talmadge. And it the the bookmark itself has like some letters, some words on it. And it's it's what she wrote to Jackie. It's, a, you know, I regret that I squandered my high school career getting involved with an older guy. Hmm. It's like that's just on the bookmark. No A signature, though. And Arya's kind of looking around freaked. Back to the Marin house. Hannah enters the front door quietly. Where has Hannah been exactly? I mean, we know Where she... did she stay the night before? Exactly. Where did she stay the night? Did and, she go and... back to Ballard and like knock on that chick's door? Yeah, maybe. Or did she just pull out to the same corner and the chick's was like, Hannah? 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 Oh, there you are. I got that map. Uh, so so Hannah, know. like she sets her bag down. She goes into the kitchen. She's well, kind of looking know. nervously upstairs. Like maybe she's trying to avoid her mom. I think she's coming in like her mom's probably asleep. I think it's probably yeah. late night. I think Hannah's trying to just like not wake her up. Anytime you come home and just, you know, on the soundtrack, No Rest for the Wicked by Licky Lee is playing, something <laughs> heavy is happening in your house. Yeah. So in the kitchen, she finds the two plates are still out. And so she picks one up and takes it to the sink. And then she hears a door close upstairs. And so she sets a plate down and she's walking towards the hall. But, oh, there's Jason DeLaurentis coming down the stairs, buttoning his shirt. The ultimate Hannah face. Well, he doesn't see her. And this this Hannah face is interesting because it's not 
it's not our usual Hannah face. Like we just get this very quick shot of her just like, what the fuck? And then it just cuts like very quickly. Like it doesn't hold on her like we'd normally expect. She just, we get her initial reaction, which is just like bewilderment and then cut. Which I think is so much more effective though. Mm -hmm. Because we're equally with the, the editorial process that we're like, oh my God, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it just cuts to. But our... I had I had like serious like horror about Hannah just walking walking in on him because I really thought you were going to see like Jason hunched over the uh, counter and like no. legs on either side of his head. Oh my god, that'd be horrible. Uh, yeah, so I fascinating the way it just cuts so quickly. Like the rhythms of this episode and the way they edit it are really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get our, our alley tag, not an A tag. Someone's like wheeling a cart of folded orange uniforms down like the the row of cells. They stop at alleys and they pull out like from underneath a, a stack of them. They like pull out a special one from her for her and hand it to her. Mm-hmm. And then they're moving on. And Allie kind of there's in the pocket of this uh, like jumpsuit she's been given. There's a note that she pulls out. And it doesn't seem like there doesn't seem to be recognition. Like we don't see who this person is who hands it off. But. Allie's just kind of like, I don't know, it doesn't seem like she knew this was going to happen, I guess. Yeah, she, they're surprised. But with typical of Sasha Pieterse's performance, there's so much complexity. Like, like you're just left wondering, what the hell is she thinking behind those eyes? Yeah, she doesn't seem entirely surprised, but she's curious. Mm-hmm. And so she pulls out this note and opens it, and it says, your friends will see you soon. Not signed by A, just your friends will see you soon. In a familiar looking handwriting, but mm-hmm. like, you know, written in pen. And she just kind of, you know, looks out, shifty-eyed through the bars, and then cut to black. So that was Fresh Meat. Very fun episode. And I, I think they are intentionally avoiding, like, true A messages just to kind of keep that mystery alive for a little while. Which has been, it's very fitting for, like, how season five started. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel is- like Holbrook is, like, our new red herring for, like, the first half of this you know, half season. Yeah. It's like the Peter Hastings thing where like for like two episodes, you thought it was Peter. Well, it's the same thing. Like, you know, for, two, for every other three episodes, you yeah. think it's Melissa or do you think it's Byron or Jason or, you know, Meredith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk but, briefly about the time jump? Sure. I mean, this is a quasi spoiler, I guess. Um, but nobody really knows exactly what it is, but I'm already the king has said on Twitter. And I think on Reddit a few times that they're, They've talked about doing some sort of time jump. We don't know exactly when it's coming or for how long the time jump would be. Although a lot of people suspect that it will be a large time jump. Mm-hmm. I suspect that we're not going to see the liars in college. I think they're going to jump all the way after that to like after college. And uh, how great would it be if Ali got convicted and stayed in jail that whole time? Yeah, it'd be it'd be fascinating. I I think yeah, like you said, it'll be something like um. Do you remember the just utterly terrible, ridiculous ending to Dawson's Creek, where they did that huge time jump and it was like everyone coming back to. Well, that was a different kind of time jump. But I mean, it was for one episode. But I think that that's what it would be. Is that like you know at the start of one season, it'll just be a time jump. Oh, I feel like you got to do it at the end of a season. I think even though oh, introduce it, yeah, yeah. like like the Battlestar Galactica Battle move, even though that it didn't pay off very well when they, when they got through the time jump. Um, the, just that, that move where like, if you could do the, like, you know, just five years later, like shock the, you know, the audience in your finale. But my point is, is I want to do something where they all have to come back to Rosewood. I want them all to be, one of course. Yeah. I don't think they're going to start setting the show in like other locations. Yeah. Yeah. 
but that that is an intriguing the idea that some sort of time jump is looming that she's teased that we don't know exactly when it's going to be or for how long mm-hmm. i mean they talked about the way season five is composed like it's very like you know point a leads to point b leads to point c it's very tightly plotted which i mm-hmm. think you're kind of seeing a little bit i really enjoyed season five just for for people who who complain at the show, like nothing ever really changes, the status quo always kind of reasserts itself. Like you've got so many like unexpected twists and turns. Like that's where the show is gone. Like almost every episode of season five. Yeah, Allie's in jail. So uh, yeah, that was fresh meat. The next episode is called Over a Barrel. Yeah, written by Brian Holdman, directed by Michael Grossman. So we will be back to talk about that. Can't wait for more. Uh, this last episode is really fun. I feel like the the not that the previous episode the kind of you know what is it winter premiere wasn't great but it was like there was some setup and now it's just like full steam ahead you know well just you know how long before the liars have to break allison out of jail like, seriously or the thing where like hannah ends up in jail and like somehow they're both handcuffed together in a prison transport <laughs> and the buses overturns and they have to and then it just becomes it. tango and cash yeah well, it becomes tango cash or it becomes like the fugitive where like tanner's hunting them down and then like uh Allison's like, I didn't kill Bethany Young. And Tanner's like, I don't care. I think you mean, and then Toby says, I don't care. Yeah, that would be that would be even better. <laughs> um, yeah, a whole bunch of notes here. Uh, I totally missed out on this the last episode. Uh, listener Shannon was quoted in the Philly Inquirer about PLO and his return. Uh, we happened to glance in the comment section, and someone there, Alexis, posted a very nice comment about how PLO isn't just a show for girls, but a show for a very diverse listenership, as it should be. And I just wanted to say hey, hey to both of them, and also mention that I believe Alexis is part of a website called Forever Young Adult that talks about YA books, which is just good. You know, I think I think it's easy almost to to keep kids reading and it gets harder for teens to stick around i think that up until recently you didn't see a lot of books marketed to teens and just literacy in general is always good especially in this episode talking about ezra okay senator got a new review from bernice so thank you bernice um wanted to shout out and say thanks to karen and sarah and Jared, Sin, Amy, Shannon, Ashley, Stephanie, Catherine, Crystal, Zach, Beth, Jill, all things PLO, and several other people, just for nice things you've said, Twitter and elsewhere. Also very glad that Shay and Yuan liked the theme music for the previous episode. Yeah, it, it, we're going to try a few different themes. It'll be obviously a different one that you're hearing than this one. Uh, I just keep doing it until I get tired, I guess. Uh, I, lazy. I, like, I like when we change it up every episode, but I can imagine how hard that is to make it interesting especially um, when you're not a musician <laughs> which makes it even better uh so sarah asked us which slots do toby and caleb take up if they replace Ari and emily in the the main pll drama for an episode toby's I would, emily i would say that they equally alternate also it's clear to me that toby is joe hardy bro and caleb is frank hardy bro caleb's definitely the aria i feel like yeah yeah well i mean just their pairing alone last mm. episode i think kind of hits that home but yeah that's just last of my little post episode notes yeah if you want to get in touch with us you can talk to us on twitter or at bros watch pll2 uh, our website page is broswatchpl2.com that's where you can go to leave a comment if you want to kind of leave a longer comment for the episode or if you want to listen to some of our older episodes that don't show up in the itunes feed they can be found there as well um so, yeah, thanks for people who leave the comments on the website page or on, on uh, 
or Twitter. Also, I'm talking to people on Twitter. Mm-hmm. If you really like the podcast, welcome to rate and review us on iTunes. We also appreciate that. We're up to 38 ratings now for the U.S. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Thank and, you so much. Uh, yeah, thanks. We will be back next time to talk about Over a Barrel. See you then. Bye-bye.